My Our Special Secret Time airs August 24th and then the rest of eternity on Netflix. Check it out. Tell your friends. Word of mouth really helps with stuff like this. You guys know that, that with us podcasters, that the way you discover new podcasts, the way I've kind of tried to share great podcasts that my friends do, uh, word of mouth just turns you on to something cool. And that is what I'm leaning on. I'm leaning into you guys and hoping that you guys will spread the word to your friends, people you work with, people that don't know of my stand-up, uh, and share it. I'm really proud of it. I uh, shot it in Philadelphia at the Troc. We used one entire show, The Late Show, and I think it's my best work I've ever done. And, I, and I, in all honesty, I really love, I'm in love with stand-up again. And so, so thank you everyone for listening to my podcast. Thank you everyone for coming to my live shows. What is this, a fucking swan song? No, check out my, my special, Secret Time, on Netflix. Let's start the podcast, everyone. It's a great podcast. Did I not start with brand new podcast? Brand new podcast, everybody. I'm here with my know-nothing wife, Leanne, <laughs> who I love dearly. <laughs> Oh. Um, I'm sorry that I don't read a ton of comments on Instagram or on Twitter or I don't reply to DMs. I just don't. I'm sorry. Uh, That's okay. He doesn't reply to anybody in like real life either. I don't. So uh, yeah. For the record, it's, I missed, it's a, not, I it's, missed a, me- a meeting with uh, this guy today that you'll hear this on the podcast. Uh, I think his name's Kevin Eaton. I think that's right. Yeah. And I'm but, bummed out because... Uh, he worked on my favorite TV show. Well, you but we're gonna have a meeting again. Yeah, I, yeah, I got, I'm gonna email him right now, and hopefully we'll meet up. So, so you'll hear it on the podcast. At the very end of the podcast, I get a phone call from my manager going, "How far out are you?" And so, Kevin, if you're listening to this, this is exactly where I was. I was sitting doing a podcast with Jim Florentine. This is a fun podcast. I've been wanting to do a podcast with Jim Florentine for a very long time, Why? and there's a lot I didn't know about Jim. Jim's someone that when I started was kind of doing the road more than uh, than L.A. Or than, than New York, than doing the city. He was out doing the road. And, and I learned a lot about that time in his life. I learned, we learned how him and uh, Jim Norton meet Dice for the first time yeah. in this podcast. We hear about, he talks about the, um, the death and the suicide of uh, one of his ex-girlfriends, the breakup of his wife, uh, which is a really, Jim's a really fascinating guy and he's an open book. He comes from the same school of thought that I come th- from is if you just are like, if you, if you got nothing interesting to say, tell the truth. <laughs> so he just, he's an open book and he's had a fascinating career and I've known Jim, but I don't, I haven't, I, I haven't known enough of him. And I will say that at one point, even Halston was like, I forgot he did special ed on crank anchors. He's a great guy. He's Jim which is my claim to fame with Jim, and we'll share this, and there's a very little funny side story to this. Uh, Jim ran the half marathon with me in St. Petersburg. Yeah. He was in doing Cowhead Radio, and I said, come on, do it with me. He was like, I don't run. And I said, that doesn't matter. You don't need to run. And Gavin's like, yeah, we'll walk the majority of it. And uh, and he uh, won his age group. <laughs> he won his age group? Well, you got to hear the story. It's a really hilarious fucking story. That's amazing. <laughs> It is a fucking hilarious goddamn what, story. Is he the only person in his it's age group? Hilarious. Oh, no, no. God. You gotta hear the you gotta hear the podcast. It's a great podcast. I'm so glad. We ended up doing, I think, two hours plus. And so that is dear Kevin, that is why I if you are listening to this, I apologize, man. I got my times fucked up. Who's Kevin? Kevin's oh, the, the Kevin. That's the right. I, I Sorry, I was today. I was being very no nothing. Um But yeah. Oh, triathlon was awesome. Triathlon was awesome. I don't really talk about it on this podcast, but for those of you wondering, uh, you know I'll cover it on Open Tabs this week. 
But if you don't catch open tabs and you're listening to this, it was an amazing experience. It was an, I almost died. It was an amazing experience. I think almost died may be a relative term. Uh, if they are listening to this podcast and they believe that I actually almost died, yeah. then they don't listen to this podcast. It's okay, their first good. time listening. Okay, good, good. They know me very well. I just know nothing. I'm a nervous. I, uh, I fucking... I had a great time and I'm going to do more of that. And I am on my new challenge. I will share with you what my new challenge is soon, mm. but uh, I need to get it started. What's your new I can, challenge? I can't tell you. Only drink on the weekends? Uh, well, first of all, how much have I been drinking lately? Not nearly hardly any. Yeah. I, how many? I've drank once in the past like eight days. Saturday. Yeah. Saturday after the triathlon, I had yeah. some cocktails. Yeah. I didn't uh, know if you were adopting your friend Sandy's new drinking policy. Uh, I'm not drinking during this week. I'll tell you that. I'm, I'll probably drink maybe Thursday night. Maybe. I don't know. I probably won't drink Saturday night. I won't do press. I don't know. I don't know. I don't really have an... I, you know me. I don't have an impulse to drink right now. Yeah. I have an impulse to eat. And I'm and I'm curtailing that. Yeah. I've been doing really good on my diet. Thank you, Cynthia. Yeah. Um. But, uh, but yeah. Life's good, everybody. Check out the special... Uh, the special is really good. If I'm, I I'm really proud of it. So and, myself. and I know I shouldn't be promoting it yet because it's not airing, but I can't help but talk about it. You um, know me. It's right around the corner. It's I mean, like it's two, like 10 days away. Yeah. Next week, big week of podcasting. Yes, I'm doing all your favorite podcasts. That's all I'll say. So see me on the podcast next week. And uh, and uh, we've got new something's burning coming out. That's it. Just catching up. Yep. This, this is my favorite part of a podcast is when the guys just, you know. Kind of lingers. Yeah. I always wished I was be this confident podcasting that I didn't have to worry about what I was saying and I could just talk. Yeah. I'm in a good place. Not entirely, but. Yeah. <laughs> Not entirely. <laughs> do you want to go to Paris? I told you I would go to Paris. I'm doing my, I'm do, when the special airs, I'm doing my Dave Chappelle runaway. I'm going to disappear. Uh, no, you are not. Yep. You're performing when it airs. The next week. The next week you're performing too. You give me a fucking second. I do my Dave Chappelle runaway. Okay. Well, it's probably at least two weeks after. I'll do it. Because you already booked for that week and the following weekend. So This podcast is brought to you by Blue Apron. I absolutely love Blue Apron. Our family loves Blue Apron. If you are listening to this podcast for the first time, oh my God, are you in for an earful about Blue Apron? Blue Apron's mission is to make amazing home cooking accessible to everyone. They do this by delivering the most fresh ingredients to your front door. Ingredients to a meal that a chef has figured out and, and, and told you how to cook. Directions. And then you cook them. They're fucking amazing. Their goal is to make... I mean, I think their goal simply should be get families together to cook together and eat together. Because that is what our families did. We had... Uh, what, what, what were the Asian noodles we had the other day? Uh, it was just chicken lo mein is what it was called. It was phenomenal. It was really good. It was really light and it was a great meal. Very, it was a, a little bit of a peanut hint, but not entirely overwhelming. No, there were no peanuts in it. Well, it was tahini Pe- sauce. Yeah, tahini sauce. Some tahini. Uh, tonight I'm making a sirloin with cheesy sweet potatoes, sweet potato mash, and some roasted vegetables. I am excited about that one. They're quick and easy recipes. Honestly, you can make them in under 45 minutes. They are insanely fucking good. I don't think we've ever had a Blue Apron we disliked. No. I don't think we ever have. Um, you can get on. There's, there's. Oh, by the way, I'm not even reading the copy right now. That's how well I know it. <laughs> there's three different meal plans. You can get the two-person meal plan, which is to, delivers two meals to your house. A uh, choice of, I think, four. 
or eight, and then uh, out of eight, or you can get the four-person meal plan. That's what we have. And then they also have a wine meal plan where you can get like bottles of wine delivered to your house. It, I'm telling you, if you've if you've never heard of Blue Apron, try them out. Uh, let's see what they got on this. They, this wow, this is a really light read they gave us. Yeah. Chefs design recipes and exciting partnerships with Bob's Burgers. Yeah. Next week we get Bob's Burgers. Are you shitting me? Nope. Dude, anytime Blue Apron makes a burger, it's fucking oh, through the, the roof. the burgers are ridiculous. It makes you look, it's your make, makes your burgers look like shit because they don't go, they don't go like mayonnaise, mustard, ketchup, pickles. It's always like, um, uh, Tillamook, uh, cheddar. white cheddar. Yeah. It's um, really good, their burgers. And they have like chicken burgers, pork burgers, hamburgers, turkey burgers is really great so check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free at blueapron.com slash burtcast that's blueapron.com slash burtcast to get your first three meals for free blue apron a better way to cook and not let your daughters turn into whores i sometimes look at other parents and i I see their daughters and i go i bet they don't do blue apron i wonder if they even eat dinner together we do blue apron and eat dinner together every night i'm home what You're are we right. doing? What blue apron we got tonight? I just told you. What is it? You weren't listening? I wasn't. Steak with cheesy sweet potatoes and roasted vegetables. It's going to be good. Cynthia, are you listening? <laughs> this podcast is also brought to you by Lisa Mattresses. A quality night's sleep helps you recover from the distractions faster and prevents burnout. I have not been sleeping well lately. Uh, Our bed sucks. Uh, I have to say, I sleep. I slept with Georgia. She wanted me to sleep with her the day before she started high school because she was feeling anxious. And oh, for real? Oh, my God. Her mattress I is amazing. I not notice that you're not in bed with me anymore. Because <sighs> Priscilla's in my spot. If you get a good night's sleep, you make better decisions, you improve your memory, and overall make fewer mistakes. This is not marketing. This is fucking science. To design a better mattress, Lisa leveraged 30-plus years of experience and 100 hours of testing to develop the perfect mattress for all body shapes and sleeping styles. I've, By the way, I also, not to like take away from this read, Leanne got me in with this massage therapist. Our mattress is so bad, we do not have a Lisa mattress. Our mattress is so bad that... I have vested up my muscles, and this woman had to sit in the day before the triathlon and just push my tits up. Why do you think that's from the mattress? I think because of the way I sleep in our mattress, because our mattress is not made for all body types and sleeping styles. It is made for back sleepers, and I am not a back sleeper. I'm a side sleeper, well, and, and I can't sleep, and I'm not just a one-sided sleeper. I'm a two-sided sleeper. I you beg know, I'm you sleeping in, Why don't you and Georgia, why don't we do this tonight? Why don't you and Georgia sleep in our bed, and I'll sleep in Georgia's bed tonight? Why? So that I can get a good night's sleep. Well, it's a school night. I think it's more important that she get a good night's sleep. Oh, really? Yeah. She's a child. Lisa's mission is to provide a better night's sleep for everybody. Through their 1 to 10 mattress program, they donate. Bert, you're always out of breath. No shit. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) They donate one mattress for every 10 they sell, and that's more than 26,000 mattresses and counting. Lisa strives to, pr- to leave the world a better place than they found it, and it doesn't stop with mattress donations. Together with the Arbor Day Fund- Foundation. I remember the first time I heard about Arbor, someone when we were in high school, someone was like, happy Arbor Day. And I was like, oh, happy Arbor Day to you. <laughs> and I said, what's Arbor Day? And they go, it's a day you plant a tree. I was like, why the fuck would they say that? And he's like, I think they're fucking with you. But Lisa Mattress isn't fucking with you. They plant one tree for every mattress they sell and are committed to planting one million trees by 2025 don't miss the summer savings 
Get $160 off a Lisa mattress at lisa.com slash BurtCast. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash BurtCast. L-E-E-S-A dot com slash BurtCast. That's $160 off a Lisa mattress. Start your summer right. And don't end up with some woman on Ventura holding her hands up against your tit because you can't sleep right on your mattress. Get a Lisa mattress Mm -hmm. and avoid... I think her name's Lisa. No, it's Laura. Uh, Laura. Okay. This podcast is also brought to you by Beachbody On Demand. I will tell you very candidly, as I get older, I start to get more self-conscious about my body. Not my gut, oddly enough, but my tits and my shoulders and my arms. I am obsessively compulsive about what my body body looks like i like my i don't want to look like an old man i've been going swimming a lot lately and i noticed that old men have these fall apart tits and it started panicking me i told this to leanne did i not yes you did that i started feeling like my tits were in two pieces there were a top tit which was where the muscle was and there was a bottom tit which was where fat was congregating and i started swimming and when i started swimming i started noticing that my tits started getting a little tighter a little harder they and start i looked rejoining. better they started rejoining uh-huh. and then i said and then my shoulders started looking good and you got to admit my shoulders started looking good yes they do and that's when i started using beach body aggressively I have my one guy I go to only because he makes me giggle. He's beast mode guy or beast beast body. Um, he's fucking hilarious and he makes me giggle. But basically, I have ripped off his workout and I do it on the road and I find it on my phone. Beach body. Well, you didn't me, rip it off. Well, you, I do sometimes. Like if I like sometimes if I can't get a Priscilla, she's sniffing the mic. You want to hear? <laughs> Beachbody On On Demand is an easy-to-use streaming service that gives you instant access to a wide variety of super effective workouts you can do from the comfort of your living room 24-7. I do it on the road. I can get it on my phone, and then I have wireless headsets so I can set my phone up. I can do the workout. I don't even have to be looking at the phone. I've had my phone in my pocket at times and just done it listening to it. This is all the great workout programs. By the way, I have an insider track on what Beachbody's doing. I'm not going to share that with you, but I have a feeling big things are to come from Beachbody. You think I think so? I know so. Oh, really? And I know, yeah, and I hope I'm involved with it. That's all I'll say because it's right up my alley about what I like to do. Yeah, totally. I'm not going to share too much, but I'll tell you, I'm fucking excited for where this company's going. Behind the companies like P90X, Insanity, 21 Day Fix, T25, Brazilian Butt Lift. I wish that Brazilian, they'd do a Brazilian tit lift. Pio, Hip Hop Abs, three-week yoga retreat, and more. The best trainers. You get Sean T, Charlene Johnson, Tony Horton, Autumn Calabrese. And the workouts are fucking for everyone. They're all fitness levels, all types from bodybuilding to weight training to cardio to yoga, even dance workouts. You can do it whenever you have time. You don't have to worry about when they tell you to to work out like you have a sign up for a class. You can do 10 minutes. You can do 30 minutes. That's a beautiful thing about this app is you can go in and go, I only got 26 minutes. Oh my God, this is a great shoulder and arm workout for 26 minutes. It is a huge community, over a million people on Beachbody Demand, and my listeners can get it absolutely free holy shit did you say free bert i said fucking free did you hear me no i think i heard you but there's someone talking over in the side train car and i thought you said free free motherfuckers free do you like this energy i'm bringing so awesome i feel like this is 1980s uh infomercial yeah i take my glasses off because i get excited and then i realize i can't read anything yeah uh leanne did the 21 day fix and she started it again yep 
because Started you gained it yesterday. all your weight back. I did not gain all and, my weight and back. And more. She gained more. No, I did not. It looks gross. That's I mean, it looks not, oh, shut fucking up. disgusting. That's she not is true. the rock and I am the wave. <laughs> yes. So did you start 21 Day Fix? Yeah, I did. I started it yesterday. How much did you lose the first time you did 21 Day Fix? I lost 12 pounds. And how much did you gain back? I gained back seven. Okay. That's not so, bad. And it was, I mean... How much were we traveling this summer? I, I just couldn't keep my act together. It was aggressive. So now that school started today, I started it yesterday. So I am happy to um, lose those seven again and then maybe a little more. We should do a thing together with the listeners where... A challenge. If there's any women that want to do 21 Day Fix alongside with Leanne, you started what, yesterday? Uh-huh. I started Yesterday. Well, that's what I did in my podcast is I did the, you know, we just did, we podcasted about it every day. I mean, every week, once a week for the three weeks. Maybe it's I'll really do, maybe easy. Maybe I'll do one workout. Maybe I'll do, maybe I'll follow a program and do a workout. Why don't you do the 21 day fix? No. Does that make you feel trapped? Yeah, it does. Why? You know, because I, I like impulse. I like chaos. You like, it makes you feel trapped because I'm doing it. If I, I like, hadn't done it first, you would have done it. By the way, this program's so good. We, had, we went through and bought it for both of our different devices. Because we had get given it to us free, and we went through and bought it again. That's how great this fucking program is. Yeah, it is, is really great. It really is every workout you could ever imagine doing. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to try the service because, fuck it, dude. You don't want to be a fat old man. I don't want to be a fat old man. I don't want to be a fat old man, and I don't want to be a feeble old man. I want to be a strong well, old feeble's man. Feeble's the thing, right? The thing that I figured out from 21 Day Fix, I didn't realize how how weak my muscles had become because with the 21 day fix it's all like i don't know what you call it but you do one exercise for one minute like like squats for one minute and then you move circuit training is that what that is but uh, after the 21 everyone listening to this goes don't listen to fucking bert seriously whatever it's called where you do one minute 15 second rest one minute 15 second rest of something like as hard as you can and um, I'm sweating profusely and it's not even a cardio workout. And I couldn't believe how much stronger I was at the end of the 21 days. I could tell a huge difference in my strength. Yesterday, Leanne and Georgia pulled up Beachbody and did yoga together. We did. And I have to say, no offense, but I'm a lot better at yoga than Georgia. <laughs> and she's 14. Right now, my listeners can get a special free trial by texting BERT to 303030. That's B-E-R-T to 3030-30. You get full access to the entire platform for free. All workouts, the nutritional information, the support, totally fucking free. Again, all you got to do is text BERT to 303030. I hope these sponsors help in your life. I hope they add to your life. They add to mine. They definitely have added to ours. All they really them. have added to mine, yeah. and I hope that you enjoy them. I don't. I'm in a weird place in my life right now. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like uh, I feel like my whole life I've leaned on booze pretty hard yeah. to like get me through things. Mm-hmm. And I think right after I did, when I did that the training leading up to the triathlon and the swimming, swimming really changed the way my perspective. I think it gave me like a Zen Buddhist like. Breathing and whoo, whoo. That's all you hear when you swim. I'm going to swim tomorrow morning before I go over to Marin. So, um, but yeah, so um, I'm in a weird place. I don't know what's going on with me. I like the material I'm writing better than ever. My anxiety levels are fairly low, but I am yearning for stuff. I, I'm, I'm like, I'm 
coveting food and and coveting is the wrong thing, but like I want, I want more. You're insatiable. I'm insatiable, but it's yeah. not. But for the, but it's not like I. I think I realized for the first time, I don't have a drinking problem. I have an insatiability problem. I think you're right. Like you I'm, have an impulse control and a satiability problem. You're like, not able to be satisfied. Like I have a legit drinking problem with fluids. Like the other day, Leanne was like, "Oh my god, yeah." Like Leanne goes, uh, "You know what I like to do when I want to drink?" <laughs> I went to the thing she goes what i go what she goes i like to make a nice spritzer of soda water and really treat myself and spare and pretend it's something fun and i literally looked at her reached into the fridge grabbed a gatorade and downed it in one sip the whole gatorade in one drink in one drink, one drink. we bought an eight pack of Lacroix. he drank six six from 3 p.m to 9 p.m. He drank six LaCroix. I think I have a... I think I've... You're going to have kidney stones if you do I don't that. know what... But I don't know how to slow that down. I don't I don't have this Maybe drink voice. water? I'm drinking water right now. Well, yeah, I'm I know. But like when you are ins- insatiably drinking six soda waters, maybe no. you should go, you know, maybe I should split the difference and every other one have a water. I had a drinking problem with water when I lived in New York because the water was so so clean in New York. You know, you know I had to tell you a secret. You know why I don't put stuff in the fridge? Why? Because you'll drink it before I get it. So I don't put stuff in the fridge unless you go out of town and it gives it a day to get cold so I can get it because every single time I go to that fridge to get a drink, there's nothing. And I'm the one that stocks the fucking fridge. Every time I put every drink in the fridge. And every time I go, I'm going to go get a sparkling water. Gone. I'm going to go get a bottle of water. Gone. I'm going to go get a Gatorade. Gone. I can't buy diet root beers. No. Because I will drink six of them within an evening. Did you have a heart attack the other day when the kids all drank your diet root beer? What the fuck was that? They cleaned you Why out. Why would they? They don't even like cream soda. They drank it all. I was so fucking pissed when I saw my cream soda. That's how I feel when yeah. I buy something and I go to the fridge and it's not there. Because you drank six of them in one day. I need to I need to talk to my therapist about this. I think this. you might. I seriously, I seriously I seriously don't put stuff in the fridge. I have never made I'll drink it on ice so that I have it. I've never made two eggs. Ever. I've never made two eggs. No. If I'm making eggs, I'm making four or five at least. Yeah, no never. I've never put a slice of cheese on a burger. I've always put uh, I folded it over and then a big slice on uh-huh. top or I layer it on bottom and then a big slice on top. I just have a I my can I tell you my real eating problem? What is I order two meals? Yeah, that's a, that's a big problem. Nobody I've nobody always, does that. I, I think everyone everyone should. Nobody does that. Who doesn't want two meals? I don't. I was telling I think I was telling Jim in this podcast. Was I saying it to Jim? I ordered. Who was I saying this to? I ordered a Wendy's duck. Who did I share? Who did I share this with? Maybe Tom. This. No. No, oh, we did one. no, it just happened. We've won and locked and loaded with Tom Rhodes. Yeah, oh, I fucking totally forgot that. Um, no, I we went on Sunday. I was telling Leanne, I said, I had a rough day Sunday. She goes, you didn't drink? And I went, no, no, no. She goes, wait, what did we do on Sunday? I woke up. I had two pancakes. I had two hot dogs on one bun. <laughs> like two hot dogs next to each other on one bun. I don't even know how that's possible. It was so <laughs> fucking good. Then I had uh, Wendy's. I had a double... A cheeseburger and then I had a baconator and then I had chili cheese fries uh-huh. then we went to Target and I was eating 
Oreos. Oreos. Walking down of, the aisle. Did I, I didn't tell you this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ate eating Oreos down the aisle in Target, and I bought five candy bars. Uh huh. And then I, like I. But then in Target, when I go, what are you doing? You get mad at me. Why is that? They go, what are you doing? Why are you buying all these candy bars? You're like, well, you don't tell me what to do. And I'm like, but I mean, nobody Who buys, buys one candy five. bar? Who goes, I'll have a Who candy bar? Who buys a candy bar? Nobody ever buys a candy bar. Today, Halton, when was the last time you bought a candy bar? Doesn't remember. Don't have, when nobody eats candy bars except fat people. Today's podcast is a really great podcast. <laughs> You're going to love it. Uh, I consider him a really good friend. Um, I've known him for a, a long time. The first time I ever met Jim Florentine, me, Jim, and Bobby Kelly, me, Jim Florentine, and Bobby Kelly were doing, I meant to talk about this today and I forgot, so I'll share this story and then introduce him. We were doing a show for the uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. Do you remember this, Leanne? Yes. I was backstage. I was taking a shit. Jim and Bobby had both said, I think it's best if you go first, Bert. You've been doing it the shortest. You kind of host and can bring us up. And then you don't have to worry. It doesn't have to lean on your shoulders. I was like, good, good call, good call. And Jim goes, they're bringing you up right now. I'm in the middle of a shit. They're bringing you up right now. And I went to wipe. He goes, don't wipe. Just go. And I fucking pulled my pants up. Shit all over me. And I run up to get on stage. And they are bringing up Coach Tice at the time. And I went. Uh, and I looked and they're laughing their asses off. I go, I wipe my ass, I get on stage and all they say to us is, don't talk to the players. Don't talk to the players. And the big purple guy, who not I mean, he's just wearing a purple suit, but he was our announcer. He's like, who's ready for some comedy? There's 1,300 people there. A player is at each table and there are boosters at every table and Jim and Bobby are like this is going to be fucking good and he's like I can't hear you who's ready for some comedy and they go fucking nuts and he's like alright before we start this show I'm going to dismiss all the players and if you want to get autographs they're going to be in the lobby you can line up and get autographs with every one of your favorite players put your hands together for Burt Crusher oh, shut the up. second I come on stage uh, 1300 people walk out of a room leave right. and I start fucking going where's Randy Moss oh, how the funny. first thing and I can hear Jim and Bobby laughing hysterically behind the curtain and then by the time they both went up the crowd kind of settled but it was amazing this is an amazing podcast you're gonna absolutely love it i apologize if the reads went too long today but you know i love you uh and i apologize i just want you to have a good time i know you're gonna love this podcast ladies and gentlemen today's birdcast stand-up comedian jim florentine This is Yeah, that, uh, I just got done having lunch with Bill and Al. Oh, you did? Yeah. Or breakfast. And uh, we were talking about that. That's exciting, man. I think. Yeah. I, I, I mean, the, the problem is there's just not enough. There's, there, you know, like three years ago we were like, just what if I was, I was in Philly and I talked to Ari. I was like, what if we all just did all our own specials on the same website? Everyone, like everyone, all our friends. We're like, yeah, you know, hi, talking about that. Mm -hmm. And now I think, you know, the way things are going, there's no outlet. It's Netflix or that's it. Yeah, I mean, if you can't get a deal at Netflix, the comics, which most can't, then why not put in a difference? It doesn't matter as long as it's out there and it's promoted. Yeah. And it's up on iTunes. Dude, I saw Bill's special. I saw Bill's, uh, the black and white one. Right. I saw that on YouTube and someone shit on me online. So I was like, dude, this is fucking hilarious. I retweeted it. Someone's like, bro. You're taking money out of Bill's pocket. That you got to go to Netflix. You got to subscribe to Netflix to watch that. And in my head, I was like, 
I thought the goal was to watch it. Right. That's all I want is I just want people to see yeah. it. Netflix happens to be the biggest place where anyone's going to find content these days. Right. I just saw Dimitri Martin's special. It's really good. Oh, yeah. It's on, yeah. It's yeah, on. It's on Netflix. It's really, okay. yeah, well, I've known Dimitri forever. I'm no, he's a good kid. dude, man. Yeah, he's, he's a, a Jersey really guy. guy. Yeah, yeah. This is my wife, Leanne. Yeah, I don't know. We never met before. Oh, I'm so sorry. I was on the phone call. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Great voice. Jim ran the uh, half marathon with me. Yeah, I mean, and, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but I've never ran a marathon before. I didn't train for it, and I bought all new clothes and new sneakers. And I guess are you going to hang out for a second, back. or are you going back in? Um, I don't know. Uh, I have to leave in like 10 minutes. Okay, all right. Well, I just wanted to say hi. Is this the first day of school for the kids here? Yeah, yeah first day. Second day for our high school, or first day for our middle school. Oh, you're going to high school? Right. Don't even get me started. Second grade, but that, oh. they don't go till after uh, Labor Day, like the Wednesday or something after. That's great. That's yeah. what we did when we were kids. But. Yeah. Yeah, I know. They saw, I couldn't believe how Because I saw Joey said he's walking his kid to the... Sandy saw Joe. Here, sit yeah. back down. Leanne, yeah, you leave. I'm sorry. Nice to uh, I love you. I love you. Nice right, well, yeah, to see you. It was you. nice meeting you. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Um, <laughs> hey, I need to talk to you about your birthday. Okay. All right. Not now, but... You like you like yeah. Tito's? You like Tito's? <laughs> <laughs> The uh, we were just talking about my impulse control problems, right? So like uh, like I have real legit impulse problems. Like uh, I didn't I hadn't been drinking or smoking or doing anything leading up to this triathlon I did this past weekend, and uh, I ate like a like a person with a problem. Like I ate. I mean, we were in Target, and I just. I opened a thing of Oreos and just started eating Oreos. And I ate half a thing of Oreos walking through Target. And, my, and Leanne's watching me. She's like, what's wrong with you? We went to Wendy's for the girls. And I got two, I got a Baconator and a double cheeseburger. And I ate both of them. I couldn't stop fucking eating. She was like, what is wrong? I just couldn't, I couldn't reel it back. And so now, now I'm not drinking and dieting. And I'm, I, feel, I feel like a fucking eighth grade girl with fucking eating disorder. It's fucking terrifying. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I do that too with drinking. Like, I won't drink for a while. I'm not a big drinker, but then I know when I got something big coming up, I indulge. Really? Whatever it is, yeah. Sometimes I'll go on like a juice fast for like five days. Yeah. And then when I'm off it, you know, you're supposed to like ease back in the food and all that stuff. I'm just full on just because you miss it. How come you never got, how come you never got bit by the alcoholic bug? I, you know, because whenever I drank, I always wanted to drink to get a buzz on so I could talk to girls. Yeah. That was my motivation because I was always shy. I couldn't talk to him sober. So if I had a couple of drinks in me, it would loosen me up. Really? I never wanted to get too drunk because then I couldn't hook up with them. So was, was was your addiction girls then? Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely chicks. Yeah. <laughs> See, I wish I had that one. I never had that one. Like in almost. But that a- leads to other problems too. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> that leads to, you know, six, seven in the morning trying to come out, you know, we're doing everything you can to try to get in their pants. So then what's your lowest you've been with girl? Like, like, uh, like I'll tell you my lowest with, uh, alcohol this is the lowest I've ever been with alcohol where I was like, I was like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? I was getting on a flight. I was getting on a flight from Utah to Vegas to jump off the stratosphere and I had been on a world's biggest slingshot the night the day before and I, I had to get up at like five so that I could fly to what you call it to jump off to, to do an inter- just interview that day and I woke up and I had these IPAs from Utah these hot these high and I was in the shower drinking IPAs so I could get on my flight and I threw up IPA in the shower at like five in the morning <laughs> and I just was like what the fuck bro I was like, you need to get in trouble. Like, this is bad. 
Like that's where I was like, if anyone saw you right now, they'd cry for you. <laughs> What's your lowest with girls where you're like, oh fuck? There's, you know, there's been a bunch because you know you, you'll just pick up some strange girl. This is a long time ago, and then I just as soon as I, as soon as I I come, I'm like, okay, now you I gotta leave or you gotta leave. This is. <laughs> this is over like and then i'm like shit how am i gonna get out of this now it's like and i'm like what and then you because you don't want the girl to stay over because you don't know you don't trust her i've had guys get rolled before they pass out and they steal everything and you never hear from again you don't even know their name really oh yeah so you've had sex with girls that you didn't really know their names? I, that, no, I didn't even know. I, 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 you know, at the end, I'm like, what's your name again? I want to, you know, whether I put it in my phone, I go, how do you spell it? I always do that. I go, how do you spell it? One girl's like M-A-R-Y. Yeah, so I'll go, no, it was just because I, I got a friend that spells it a different way. <laughs> I would always use that one. I go, I just want to spell it right. Like, are you seriously? S U S A N Susan. I'm like, I just didn't know. I go, everyone spells it a weird way. You never know it was spelled like oh, that. That's so so funny. <laughs> so wait, what? When was your peak of getting pussy? Like, like, like if you could go back, like I now, like I'll I'll do this with booze for me. Like if I could go back to one time that was the funnest drinking, easily was college. Easily was college. Like when I was really discovering marijuana and booze and mushrooms and ecstasy and coke and like everything was fun there was no repercussion drink in the morning cool pass out drink tonight nah yeah i'd i go back there in a fucking heartbeat drink all day long easy. yeah now i can't do it no you know why there was another before i get to that there was another one so there was this guy that was a professional wrestler and he was also a bouncer at this rock club that i worked at yeah and i knew him and it was a strip club too at like door to day or whatever and i pick up this girl she's a stripper i think she was a stripper probably and we go back to her place and we're having sex in a room and all of a sudden the wrestler comes over and isn't and and she he's like where are you mary where are you screaming i'm like is that is that jimbo and she's like yeah i go what the fuck is he doing here because he's pounding on the front door and she goes oh we're, we're still kind of dating i go i didn't know you guys were dating and he's like open it to who the fuck's in there i'm gonna kill whoever i'm like hold it so now she lets him in i'm uh -huh. under the bed naked Shut i'm under her up. bed naked and they're screaming out there he goes i'm going in that room if i find so i'm gonna kill fucking kill that guy and he knows me yeah and i'm like holy shit i'm under the bed and i'm freaking out and he sees screams like there's nobody in there i swear i wouldn't do that to you jim but please believe me he goes no I, i'm gonna go check anyway she's why so you don't believe me she's trying to turn around i'm i fucking climbed out the window this is like a 5 30 in the morning what year is this this is probably 19 how old are you I, I, i'm 23 Oh my God! Twenty three, twenty four. So I'm I'm in the bushes, naked, in like an apartment complex. I got my clothes, my clothes are across the room. I just ran, open the window, and I'm in the bushes, just waiting. And it's light out, and people start going to work, and I'm just I go, I'm not running. I'm just gonna stay in these bushes. And about an hour and a half later, the dude finally left. And she was looking all around for me, and then I, she just opened the window. She's like, he must have went out the window because his clothes are still here. And I was in the bushes. I climbed back in. I'm like, Hold, and that guy never knew, but he would have killed me. Oh my God! I was under the bed naked. That was that was a low point. I'm like, holy shit! But she didn't tell me. Like if she said, "Hey, I got a boyfriend," and it's this guy Jimbo, there's no fucking way. <laughs> 
But no, I, look, getting back to it. So probably like the late 80s, I was a rock DJ. I was working like a heavy metal club. I was also working in a strip club as a DJ. And it was all, and it was like, you know, everyone had the long hair. It was Bon Jovi. I, I grew up in the next town I from Bon Jovi. beautiful long hair. Oh, yeah. I looked like David Coverdale, Robert Plant, <laughs> whatever, Bon Jovi. I had the long curly hair, blonde hair down to my shoulders. And, you know, and girls were totally into that. So like hairdressers and strippers, you know, were totally into that. Look, and it was like that rock scene where all the 80s metal bands, you look like one of those dudes you were getting laid. I still lived at home. I had no money. Yeah. They didn't even care. So that you just cleaned up in that era. Before that, I was shy. I, I remember I, all my friends were in bands, and they're like, "My friends, like, dude, he goes, you got short hair and a bad mustache. He goes, you got to do, you got to get rid of that. You're never gonna get laid. Yeah. Look at you. He says, grow your hair long. And all my friends had long hair, and I just grew it. And all of a sudden, it was like, holy shit, really? Yeah, it was insane. So wait, what kind of kid were you? Like, like when, like, like, because I feel like here's what's crazy is like, I feel like I know like every comic I kind of know. Like I know like Bobby like I know what kind of kid he was because you'd hear stories but I never knew what kind of kid you were like and I knew you were really good friends with Jim but that was early in comedy yeah. and I can picture that trajectory I can predict I can picture you and Jim at like what did you start did you start at like 20 no I started like 24 24 how yeah. old was Jim when he started like he was young he was probably 20 yeah. 19 or 20 I can imagine you guys as roommates I can imagine I remember you when I first started in like 90 nine i think i started 98 99 but I, what, what was what were you like as like a child do you have brothers and sisters there's seven of us catholic. are you fucking serious yeah, seven of us catholic, i had no clue catholic family i was a middle child you know four brothers three sisters in the family parents together married for 35 years or whatever and uh just a wild man because i was in catholic schools i hated it. i wanted to be in public schools you know, just you know, just being a dick. Were your brothers and sisters funny? Were your was your family? Funny? Yeah, my, yeah, everyone, pretty much everyone. Because you're one of the, you're like a, uh, I would say that there's, there's more than two types of comedians, but there's comedians who have to look cool, and then there are comedians who like to giggle, like comedians who like who got into it because they like to laugh, right? And I always thought you and Jim are like prankster comics. Like I remember one time you and Jim were sitting at the cellar at the by the bar you were standing by the bar at the cellar i think when i was young and i said i said to both you guys i go hey jim not I, knowing your boat you both your names were jim but i go hey jim what's the bartender's name and you went oh it's ricky and i went oh, okay i go hey ricky and the guy didn't do anything i go ricky and norton goes louder i go ricky Ricky and he goes it's not Ricky and I went and you guys are dying laughing and I yeah. went oh that's like that's kind of comic I am I like fun we've been doing that using that one for years <laughs> always give the wrong where's the bathroom well, yeah where's the bathroom it's right out there to the left right by the kitchen you just send somebody the wrong <laughs> yeah. way every time I remember my my, fa my ex-father-in-law we were watching football like at ESPN zone he goes where's the bathroom I go it's right up there right by the kitchen go through that door he went into the kitchen looking for the bed he comes back out he's like all the way he's giving me the finger he's like fuck you and i'm just waving there he's like fuck you one of my favorite one of those because that's that's my personality like when that when you guys did that to me right. i giggled so hard and i went i'm definitely using that i'm definitely using that one of my favorite ones ever 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 and i gotta give credit to the guy who, who did it first it's this guy chris quinn we're all in key west i do this every single time it happens uh, we're in key west we're on a booze cruise and everyone's on one side of the boat watching the sunset. And uh, 
Finally, it hits the horizon and everyone goes, oh, and turns around to go back to get a drink. And Chris Quinn at the top of his lungs goes, oh, my God, it's coming back up. <laughs> and everyone turns around. <laughs> and I couldn't last time. I was like, that is my favorite joke ever. I do it all the time. I do it every time I see a sunset. Every time I see right. a sunset. <laughs> That's funny. But what was like, so did you guys like, and Chris Quinn, oddly enough, was from a big Irish family. But when you went to their house, you could not keep up. They were so fucking funny. His whole family was like, like you'd go, you'd get there and they'd be like, um, mom, burst too afraid to ask you for a drink. And you'd be like, I didn't say that. And like, mom, just ask him. Mom, he wants a drink and he's afraid to ask you. And then the older brothers would just start, if you want a drink, just get a drink. Ask my mom. My mom's cool. <laughs> Mommy called you a bitch. Like they would just, and you could not keep up with their family. Was that like your family? Oh yeah, yeah. There's like, ah, there's I'm like, so jealous. There's like four out of seven that are complete ball busters. Really? Yeah. We got we did this one to my brother and his his uh, wife and their two kids and they were small. We got those fake lottery tickets, <laughs> and they scratched them off and it said that they won a million dollars. Like we just did it was at a birthday party. Going, yeah. hey, we got a bunch of these. You guys want to scratch them off? Uh, I just got forty of them. Whatever. Okay. And we knew which one to give to my brother and his wife, and they scratched it off, and they won a million dollars. They were jumping up and down. They were crying. They were so happy. They were hugging each other. They're planning vacations. They're planning. Oh, we're gonna go here. No, we're gonna do this. Can you, eat Dad? Will you get me that car? All of, we and we let we didn't stop it. We let it go for like twenty minutes. They're making plans. My uh, my brother's wife's calling her friends. We just want a million dollars and, <laughs> and then he looks at the back after about 20 minutes he goes wait to redeem this go to one two three you're a stupid way <laughs> you know you're an idiot this is fake new jersey what and then he's like you he didn't talk to us for a month Are you yeah sure? they didn't talk to us for a month they were so mad i'm like I go, come on you're mad i go you wouldn't you would have loved it if i if you got me on that yeah he goes no you fucked us up man that fucked us up bad. I go. My daughters were crying in the back seat the whole way. <laughs> we're not millionaires. Yeah. And but we let it run. Of course, you can't just do it. Tell oh, them right that's away. Fucking great. My son does the same thing. Like we, I take him to concerts. He he's around all my friends. Bob, I said we we went. We were tailgating, and he peed in a cup in the parking lot tailgating. And he goes over to my friend. He goes, "Here, I got a beer for you." <laughs> here, and the guy's like, "Wait, no, I'm not." He goes, "You drink it first. And he pretends like he drinks it. Oh, it's pretty good. Here, he's already into doing it. <laughs> how do you how do you measure? Um, like, do you do you ever second guess your parenting because you go? What I find funny and what I what I get a kick out of, and the way I behave and the way, and my, what I find acceptable behavior, other parents don't find it to be that. Like other parents, and I, I only say this from my perspective is like things I find funny, and things that make me laugh or things that I find acceptable. Other parents like go like we've definitely lost some parents in the fray. Like to other parents have been like, uh, yeah, you, I. I don't I, like I curse still in front of kids. Yeah. Like I definitely curse. Like, do you do you think about that with parenting? I don't think about it because I'm like, whatever. I mean, there's a few people, a few parents that I'm close to my my son's, uh, you know, friends with their kids and we all hang out and they're yeah. totally, you know, fine. They're, and they get you. Yeah, they get it. Yeah. They go into my shows and stuff. They're not so uptight, but I haven't met those parents yet that are uptight. I'm sure I will. Yeah. But we, I haven't what, met him. I don't care. You in? He's a, he's going into second grade. So yeah, that's still young. And, yeah. and there's there is like a it's like around fifth grade where you start saying shit like oh fuck it like I, that that's when it started like uh and we got we have good type friends and i can fuck with their kids hard like i can definitely like i want i bet this one kid uh for the seahawks 
Rams game. We're all, we're we got seats next to each other, and um, I bet the kid uh, two hundred bucks the Rams are gonna win. And if the Seahawks won, I give him two hundred bucks. But if the Rams won, I got to cut his hair. And so <laughs> that's and, great. Oh, it was great. And the Rams won, and we got I got drunk as fuck. I stopped by my house, grabbed my clippers on the way home, went to his house, and the first thing I did is I cut his bangs like Simple Jack, like from Tropic Thunder. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he looks at me dead serious, dead serious. He's ten years old, and he goes, "Does it look cool?" And I went. <gasps> You thought I wanted to cut your hair? You thought I wanted all oh, you fucking idiot? <laughs> and it was like, but like, you got to have cool parents to hang around like with that, you know? Yeah. No, you just weed them out. It's almost like the comics on the comic scene. You know which ones you want to hang, which and which ones you can't. So you just kind of weed those, weed those people out. Just go, okay, I'll keep them in a distance. Yeah. Those parents, they're not into this or whatever. So I'll just keep, but these other parents I know could take it and ball bust or whatever we're doing. It, they'll be fine. How old were you when you lost your virginity? I was a month away from, I was 18. For real? I was out of high school. Really? Yeah. I was, I was a super shy kid. Like I grew up like in Catholic where I was just basically don't talk about sex. Don't even think about sex. I'm not even going to, my parents never talked to me about sex and just don't do it. Cause you're going to go to hell. Basically I was in Catholic schools pretty much my whole, my whole life. So I was in like wrestling and, and music. So that what, was pro wrestling, much, pro wrestling and, and music my older brothers got me into it and stuff. And then we just play sports, you know, football, baseball, the kids and neighbor. I lived in a big neighborhood where we all just got together after school. We'd all just hang out and build like tree forts and drink beer. I was smoking pot when I was 12 years old. For real? That was the first time I smoked. Yeah. I was drinking beer at 12, smoking cigarettes. Really? Yeah. Wait, how did that get into your life? Was My it older-, older brothers, you know, hanging out with them. They were all, you know, they were 17. So 17, 16, they were all smoking weed and stuff. And I'd hang with them. You know, and they just be passing a joint around. I'm like, yeah, don't don't tell mom. I go, I'm not gonna, I'm not please. I'm like, this is fucking great. You're gonna let me. And then I would steal my mom's cigarette. She had Virginia Slims, you know, those real long ones. Yes, and the skinny ones. Yeah, the skinny I loved ones. smoking those. Those were amazing, but I had to make sure that I didn't, I couldn't have them out in the open because they'd be like, what are you, what are you queer? You know, you fag, you homo. You know, you get called every name. So I keep in my sock. I keep my sock in the bar, and then I would take one out when I was in the bar, and I would just start smoking. My friends would go, where'd you get that? I got some. I just she had an extra cigarette. I don't, I, whatever, I'll smoke anything. It doesn't matter. I had to hide them. <laughs> yeah, I remember Virginia Slims. I love my mom. We just keep them in our uh, in our hutch. She had a pack of Virginia Slims, and she didn't smoke all that often, but they were there. Right. I went through that whole pack. I had to buy another pack, and then get dip into that one to replace the one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well, she would have cartons in the house, so I would just steal a pack, really? and they you... were the soft ones too, the soft pack. So. Does your mom still smoke? No, she she smoked for you know forty years. Really? Yeah. And did you? When did you quit? I quit about like 23, 24. I quit, quit smoking pot when I was 17. I smoked from like 12 to 17. Really? Yeah, and that it was, I was just getting me paranoid, tired, and that was it. So really, I got a little buzz, and that, and so I just stopped that. And then smoking cigarettes like 23, 24, it just wasn't. I would only smoke when I would drink. I would never wake up in the morning and smoke a cigarette. As long as you're hanging out the bar, you smoke a cigarette, drink a beer. And so when, so what did you do right before you got into comedy? I was DJing. I had my own DJ business. I was DJing like weddings and parties. Good God! And then, and then I uh, and I was DJing like a rock club, you know. But I but I, I had my own business. I worked with this other company, and then I had my own business. You know, I just lug records there and just play them. Get like four hundred bucks. Yeah, I had records. Yeah, this was Holy like you know shit. Yeah, yeah, I guess it was. 87, 88, 89, there. There was no there. CDs. It was, there was no computers. CDs. I had to bring crates of records, like six crates. Holy shit. But I was so, uh, I was, it wasn't a good, because I was in the metal, 
and I hated playing like Cool in the Gang Celebration and these goofy songs. <laughs> I remember like that Buster Poindexter song, Hot, Hot, Hot was out. Remember that goofy like song? It, hot, hot, hot. Yeah, that was like a big yeah. wedding song at the time. People come, some dude would come up, dude, can you play that hot, hot? I go, no, I'm not playing that. Like, why? It's a wet. I go, no. Nah, <laughs> I got a song. I go, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Congratulations to Brandon Billy. <laughs> I got a song. That song sucks. I'm not playing it. Go back to your table. What the fuck's wrong with you? are a grown man. You shouldn't like hot, hot, hot. So what, what got you? What what was the, the, the spur that got you into comedy? Um, you know, I was DJing on the radio, too. Like, I... This little, this little station, and I was cracking jokes in between the songs. Nothing. I wasn't trying to be like Howard Stern or anything like that. And uh, they were like, "Dude, you can't do that. You just got to play the music and give the weather and the time, and then just go to the next song. Nobody wants to hear you making jokes." It was whatever was topical. I just would throw a quick one liner out. I'm like, "Yeah, but I, you know, I want to build a following." You know, no, you don't do any of that stuff. And I'm like, "This sucks." So I wanted to be a DJ on the radio. Yeah. And then I re- and then I was just sitting around. And, you know, of course, when I saw Dice, you know, do what his hours for the Dangerfield special and then, they, you know, the Dice, the HBO special. Yeah. I saw that like, Kinnison come along and he has a rock band. He's hanging all these rock dudes because I was more like a rock guy. I was like, fuck, man. They're almost bringing like a rock element to comedy. These guys are like rock stars, Kinnison and, and Dice. So it still took me about a year or two to get up on stage, the balls, because I wasn't good at public speaking at all. I didn't go in front of, you know, uh, in school. If I had to go in front of a class, I, would, I wouldn't even show up for school that day. I took acting class in college. I was always petrified. Really? Sometimes I wouldn't even show up. Yeah, I was super shy. That's so interesting because I yeah. don't know you were shy. And even as a DJ, like I was just in the booth. I wasn't really talking that much. I remember the owner of the place like, dude, you got to talk, Michael. People just want to hear the music. We're in a heavy metal club. They don't want to hear some fucking guy talking in between the songs. They don't give a shit. Yeah. But I was always, he's, and the guy even said, man, you're so shy in the mic and now you're a comic because I just got over that fear. And once I got up on stage, I go, I'm on laugh. I'm like, this is what I want to do. Really? Yeah. What was your first joke that worked? <clears throat> I remember Patrice said his first joke that worked was a, uh, help, I've fallen, I can't get up joke. Oh, and yeah? I, uh, yeah, my first joke that worked was uh, jacking off in a cheeseburger. Like I jacked off in a cheeseburger right. one time. I right. I jacked I used a cheeseburger to jack off. Right. And it was like I don't even know, I don't even remember the premise, but that worked and out of a shock value. And I was like, All right, we're good. I'm I'm ready to go. I got it. I got it. Um mine was I said something about roses. Every time I get a girl roses and never uh I, it just doesn't work out for me or something like that. I go, I, you know what I call it? A dozen roses because it doesn't fucking work. <laughs> <laughs> that was my joke. Because <laughs> it doesn't fucking yeah. work. <laughs> I had to throw fucking in there, of course. <laughs> but I remember when I first started, I had long hair. I would have gone on stage with like a leather jacket. I was like dice, you know. Yeah. You know, it was dirty. And then I realized I got to, you know, that this isn't going to work. Wait, so how long from when you started until you met dice? Uh, about 10 years. Really? That's still really young. I mean, not anymore, because now comics get famous doing it six years. Right. Like, I, there's comics that have been doing it three years that call themselves comics that are like, yeah, I'm a stand-up comedian. At three years, I don't know if I would have had the balls to say I'm a stand-up comedian. I would have been like, I do comedy. That's what I would have said. Right. I do comedy, yeah, but now it's like, now it, it seems like success has happened so quickly that like 10 years... I remember hearing Dane said he did it 20 years one time. And I was like, 
wow, when I do it 20 years, I hope I'm successful. And now 20 years is 10 years to everyone else. Oh, I've been doing it 10 years. That's like 20 years. To, in yeah, I days. mean, you don't really, you're not a, re a real comic till like about year nine. Yeah. Is when you really could be, say, you're a, a solid comic that can headline an A room. I, I think, think 10 years is, a, a, I think 10 to nine, 10 years is like, you you are a competent stand up comic. Yeah, nine I mean, ten. Everyone's years got a different learning that. curve. I'm sure Chappelle probably was much more talented at four years than the average comic at ten years. But I think for and it, it sways both ways. But I think for the most part, at ten years, yeah, somewhere around that. Well, me and Jim got booked on Louis Anderson Comedy Showcase. It was on NBC, on, uh, and it was on. Hold on one second. Uh, it was on. It was shot on Santa Monica Pier. Yep. I okay. So I remember. Jim running that set at the Boston Comedy Club. Really? Yeah, I know, and I remember saying because I worked the door at that time. That must have been ninety nine, ninety eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I worked the door, and he said, "Yeah, I'm doing uh, the Louis Anderson uh, thing." And I said, "Really?" I was just listening. You know, I'm, I wasn't like I was just literally the door guy. And he was like, "Yeah, it shoots on the Santa Monica Pier." And someone's like, "I think Bobby or Patrice was like Santa Monica Pier." Right? Well, you gonna be outside? And that's of course that's a Patrice impression, right. but like, and then and then cut to two years later, I shot at that same theater for uh, funny for uh, National Lampoon's funny funny people or something, and I went, oh, this is where he shot that thing, right in that same little theater. Yeah, that was a yeah. good, and that aired on like Friday nights or Saturday nights, yeah, yeah. on NBC, yeah. So they flew us out to uh, California to do it. Me, Jim Norton, Lenny Marcus, yep. and this guy, Rich Franchese. We were all friends. We were the four guys. Rich Franchese, is he the guy that used to say, I'm losing weight by not licking the top of the... Rich was a big guy, right? Yeah, he was a big guy. He'd like, walk on stage. He goes, you guys are thinking, like, what the hell's the bouncer doing on stage? Yeah. Like, that was one of his jokes. So he was great. So big dude, whatever. So the, we were the four that got it from New York. So they flew us out here, and our first day in L.A., me and Norton bonded over Dice and, like, Black Sabbath when Wait, I you met you guys him. didn't know each other? You guys knew each other before then? Me and Jim knew. I was running open mic at this strip club. It was Before the Louis Anderson thing, you guys didn't know each other? No, we did. We oh, yeah, did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But this is our first day in Los Angeles ever. Yeah. We fly out at, like, whatever, 1999. We'd never been here before, and uh, we're hanging out with this. I forget this female comic that we knew, and she goes, hey, she goes, I, Dice is at the comedy store, and we were somewhere or whatever, and we're like, get the fuck out of here. So we rushed up. There. I think we were in rehearsal. We had to rehearse or something for the next night, and we ran to the comedy store, and Dice was there, and me and Norton, that's what we bonded over when we met. Yeah, and we're like, holy! He's in the back talking to Rich Voss outside, and we knew Voss from New York. Yeah, and um, and I'm like, all right, we got to get a picture. I'm like, yeah, we got to get a picture. All right, all right, I'm gonna try to get in here. Like, all right, we're all nervous. Like, holy shit, there he is. And then when I go, hey Dice, I go, uh, uh, can I get a picture? He goes, no, no. I go, what do you mean? He goes, no, no, I'm not taking a picture. Nobody tells me what to do. And then he just starts talking to Voss again. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> and Norton's like, let's get out of here. He's a dick. I go, no, no, no. I go, I'm going to give one more shot. I go, I'm going to come all this way. Yeah. For him to, I go, I go, I go, Dice. I go, we're, we're comics from New York. Come on. We just, we're big fans. We can't get a picture. He's like, and he's in my face like a, an inch away. He's like, for like 30 seconds, just staring at him. Like, this guy's going to punch me out. He goes, yeah, you're a com you guys are comics from New York? I go, yeah. 
He goes, yeah, sure. Let's take pictures. We did a whole photo shoot. <laughs> let's take pictures. Yeah, yeah, let's take pictures. Oh, you do this one this way. And then we told him we were big fans of the Day to Laugh to Die, those those records where he bombs. Yeah. We go, we knew every word to every one. He didn't remember saying this stuff. He goes, he's laughing. He's like, I said that. I go, yeah. He goes, hey, you guys go on stage tonight. Could you, and do the act for me and my friends. Go up as Jim and Jim. I'll tell the, the, the booker, put these guys on for five minutes and you guys get two mics and do my jokes. And me and my friends will sit in the back of the room and we'll, we'll you know, we'll be like, I'm like, all right. And we went up there and within like 10 minutes, he told the guy, put these guys on. They're my friends. Put them on. He's yelling at whoever. I forget who it was. And it was we, uh, it was Dean at that time. I think. Okay, yeah, yeah. And, or maybe maybe it wasn't. I don't know. And yet. we bombed because we were doing these dirty like dice had these jokes like these one liners. I made no. I'd fuck you with one sock on, so I got something to wipe my prick off afterwards. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like shit like that. Bet Midler shit yodels. Nobody believes me. Like these, these stupid lines. I mean, and the crowd's just staring at us and Dice and his buddies are in the back dying laughing. And then we recorded it. We went in his, in his Cadillac and then we listened back to it. And then and he goes, hey, he goes, and we, we were staying at the uh, Bellage, which is which behind the Viper Room. It's the London now. Yeah, yeah. And he knew we were staying. He dropped us off there. He goes, hey, you guys want to go hang out tomorrow to me and Norton? We're like, yeah. He goes, yeah, maybe we'll go shopping. I'm like, all right. He goes, all right, I'll call you. What room you in? And then the next day, like nine in the morning, we're telling Franchese and Lenny Marcus, we all stayed in the same room. We got a suite. And like, they're like, wow, that's cool. He's not going to call you. I'm like, yeah, probably not. And next morning he called. He goes, hey, come on, let's go. We're going to go shopping. And Lenny's like, Lenny Marcus is like, hey, do you think I can go? I go, yeah, probably. I go, let's just come out to the car with us. And he comes out and uh, Dice sees him. He goes, who's that? I go, he's a comic from New York too. I go, can he come? He goes, no. And Lenny's like, just standing. He goes, no. He goes, you can't come. And I'm like, Dice, he's a, come on, he's a fan too. He goes, no. He goes, look, you're a comic. He goes, you can't be funny. Look at you. You're not funny. Get, get out of here. Go away. Get out of here. <laughs> and me, me and Jim went shopping with him and hung out with him for like six hours. And then when we left, he goes, give me your numbers. I'm looking for openers to start, you know, to open for me, especially East Coast guys when I come to the East Coast. So he started using Jim at first, and he brought Jim and Opie and Anthony he goes, I got this guy I'm bringing in. Jim was never on Opie Anthony before. Are Dice brought him on. He goes, this guy's me? a freak. He's got these crazy stories. He's insane. You're going to love him. And they brought Norton in. They're like, oh, my God, you're hilarious. You got to come back in more often. He's like, yeah, sure. And me and Jim were living together at the time. Are you serious? Yeah. I didn't know any of this. Yeah, and so that's how Jim got the gig on Opie and Anthony. Dice brought him in from us meeting him. And then, you know, Jim started to open for him. Then I started opening for him. You know, when we'd open work together, it was me, Sebastian, and Jim, and Dice at uh, uh, Stardust. We'd do that like once a month. You know, we'd have different guys open them from all the time. Really? Yeah, it was crazy. But Jim got the gig, basically, open Anthony gig from Dice, bringing them on. And they loved them because Jim was telling them he was about hooking up with prostitutes. And, you know, and I'm telling them, like, you know, the only rule. In the, and then I, Jim brought me on Opie and Anthony. You know, so I started going on. Jim's like, I got a roommate or whatever. And I started going. And then I went on Howard Stern show and then kind of took that path that way. But uh, how fucking fascinating. Yeah. I didn't know any of that with you and Dice and Jim. I assumed I assumed he just saw you in the back of a club one night and just liked you guys and like and you guys just and I, I didn't know that. That, oh, that's such a great fucking story. Yeah, and we were just, you know, we we couldn't believe when we met him. Like, we're just like, holy shit, that's the guy. Because that's all we talked about when I met Norton about his dice. Dice and, like, Black Sabbath, and that's how me and Jim bonded. I was doing comedy, like, six months, and I was running an open mic night on, like, a Monday night, and Jim came by. And he's like, can I go on stage? He used to come see me at this little club, and he would sit right in the front. I'm like, this kid's a fucking weirdo. He'd sit there by himself. I'm like, dude, do you have any friends? 
and he was shy and quiet and he was doing these jokes about like raping his grandmother in church i'm like i like this guy this guy's sick and he would come around and that's how we became friends and then these other headliners would start bringing me and jim out because i'd book like one headliner on the show each week and pay him a hundred bucks and the rest of it was open mic and the headline so rich rich foss bob levy guys have been around a long time would come in there and then they took a liking to me and jim you know, really? so they would t- they would take us on the road to open for him. We had like ten minutes or whatever, but we were just uh, fucking creeps. How fucking great! Yeah, and Bob Levy had a huge alcohol problem, Did so he? his wife at the time didn't want him to drive. So he, she she and Bob was already working all these clubs. So me and Jim would open for him because she knew that we would drive the car. She didn't want Bob behind the wheel. So we always say because of Bob Levy's alcohol problem, we were working like five nights a week after doing comedy about a year, a year and a half. So wait, so then let's, okay. So by the way, I'm obsessed with Dice too. Like I'm obsessed. I remember the first time I met him just being like, like I, I couldn't get past. I could, I, to this day, I can't get past. I don't know if he's fucking with me or not. Like, like, do you ever hear the interview he did on Opie and Anthony? Of like uh, with uh, with Judd Apatow, yeah, and he just walks in and he's like, "Hey, he's in my seat," <laughs> and he doesn't know who Judd Apatow is, <laughs> and he just is fucking. <laughs> I, I just like there's a part of Dice where I just go, it's like the ultimate troll, like he, the ultimate fuck with you, the ultimate comic, like it's it's just fucking around nonstop. He was in the back of the store one time, and he was telling a story to. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna punch this up the way I do. I speak in hyperbole. I'm I make things bigger than they were, but I'm not joking when I say this. Louis Anderson, uh, Chris Rock, Roseanne Barr, and uh, and one other person. I, I wish I could remember the third, but and I think by the way, I think me and Steve Byrne maybe uh, were the two or, or Gary Goldman were the the young comics in the room, and he was telling the story about. Uh, taking his kids to the park and putting bikes on the back of the truck and uh, back of the car, getting bikes in the thing. Hey, hey, what about the bikes? And we were howling, laughing, and he was not trying to be funny. He was definitely not trying to be funny. He was just telling a story about how the kids wanted the bikes. He gets the bikes to the park, and then they play on another ride, and now he's his shins are all banged up. What about the bikes? We were laughing so fucking hard. So I will hear any tell, like I will hear any good dice story. He put, I, would, I think he put that routine on this album called Filth. Oh my God! It, about the bikes, he went to the bike with his Dude, wife, and he's Chris trying to Rock get him off. Was, yeah, Chris Rock was doubled <laughs> right, over laughing, yeah. going, "Please tell me that's in your act." And he's like, "Huh?" And I'm not even fucking around. And I don't mean this. I would never say anything negative about Dice. I'll, right. Will not come out of my mouth. But I'm not even fucking around. He did not do that on stage. He went out and did like older Dice stuff on stage that night, and did not do the bike stuff. Right. But I remember we were in the back, pissing, <laughs> laughing, and and everyone's like, "Please say that's in your act." And he's like, like little, like, huh? Like almost like he did this joke about this kid, his psycho friend, his, his kids had a psycho friend who tried to play dead. Did you ever hear that story? No. His, and he's like, I got a fucking mirror under this kid's nose. He's not fucking dead, but he doesn't know that I don't know that he's not dead. <laughs> like, it's just his fault. Fu- and we are, I'm like, oh my God, he's the great, like, he's the best. He's, he's amazing. You know, um, no, it, it's just an inspiration, you know, just to just to where he got to with the level he got to. And just, to, you know, once you get to really know him, he's a really good dude, he's but really he's standoffish, yeah. you know, and when you, some people go, he's a dick. But, you know, he's like, look, I'm he goes, I in my in my height of my my uh, popularity, he goes, I'll be walking a mall, my wife and two little kids. 
you know, and these guys would come up, hey, Dice, uh, this chick was sucking my dick, you know, in front of his wife and his kids. He's like, you know, so he pretty much had to put a guard up. He goes, now anyone to approach me, I'll get out of here, leave me alone, you know what I mean? Because yeah, he doesn't know. He's like, I don't, I'm not that guy off stage. I don't need you doing that. Yeah, that must, that must, his kids are sweethearts. They're great. The they're great. They're kids. killer band they're in. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, they're, they're, they're great kids. They play at the Kibitz Room every Saturday, every other yeah, Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I've seen them live a, a bunch of times. Yeah, I've been wanting to go see them, but I'm never home. I'm never home when the, when they're playing. I'm always on the road. But yeah, their kids are great, and he's touring with Eleanor now. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I did a guest set at their show a few weeks ago. It was in Jersey. What were those tour? what was it like being on the road with Dice? He's, you know, it's like you are resort back to a child. Yeah. The show's over, and we go get snacks. <laughs> And go to 7-Eleven and get Slurpees. <laughs> and we eat chips. I remember me and Norton were his first night ever in Vegas. And we're staying in like the suite where like Sinatra and Sammy Davis and all those guys at the Stardust. Yeah. Dice had that, like the top floor. And we went to the 7-Eleven and got snacks. And it was just me, Dice, and, and Norton. And that's what we were doing. No girls, no nothing. We're like, the fuck's going on here? <laughs> He's like, you want Starburst? Come on. When we first, when he first took us to, uh, took us out that time, he goes, we got to stop at seven. He was like, come on, boys, come on, boys, come on in. We're like, boys, we're not fucking twelve. Okay, you want a Slurpee? And he goes, I'll get two cups. Watch, I steal a cup, and he put it in two cups, and it's just, it was just pure nonsense. <laughs> what a fucking. And come on, boys, we got to get Slurpees. <laughs> so we all had to load up on Slurpees and one of the best compliments I've ever gotten in my career ever ever and it's always third hand and I'm only sharing it with you because it made my fucking life made my life I was talking to uh, Danish and O'Neill who uh, are f good friends with Eleanor and good friends with Dye, the whole comedy store group and apparently and Eleanor just shared this with me they were I guess they were in Atlanta maybe and or somewhere that I was coming to and my video came up and Dice sees it and he goes oh. by the way I'm, I'm this is all third hand he goes right. wait where's his shirt <laughs> and Eleanor goes oh he's, he doesn't wear his shirt and Dice goes oh, I fucking love it he does, what, no shirt he don't wear a shirt and then Eleanor goes yeah he's, he's actually a funny comedian he shows him the machine story and he goes oh I fucking love this kid no shirt he's no shirt like he could, he just thought it was funny as shit and they told me that and I was like I was like I was like, oh, that's better than any development deal I'll ever get. Is And I don't ever want to run into him because I, and I've, I've only met him a couple times, but I don't want to live down what I believe him to have thought about me and then him to run into me like, oh, yeah, I saw you shit. Oh, God, shit. Like, I want him, I just want to live that moment in my head of- It's true. You know? Yeah, you like, got that great You never memory. want to meet your heroes. I met Gene Simmons. He was a cunt. Yeah, he's- You a, met all rock stars. He's a little standoff. One, one quick thing about Dice. So Dice yeah. comes to my wedding, right? Yeah. Uh, and he goes- he comes over and he goes, here, he has a wad of cash. He goes, here, take this, put it in your pocket. I go, okay, he goes, look, I'm looking around. I see your friends and they're all a bunch of dirt bags. I don't trust them. He goes, so put this in your pocket. He goes, there's no card. He goes, just stick this in your pocket because I'm not leaving a card out because that's going to get stolen. He goes, and one other thing, he goes, look, I'm, I'm glad this is your day. This is a beautiful day. This is awesome. I'm really happy for you. I'm not trying to ruin anything for you, but just know one day she's going to hate your guts. <laughs> <laughs> I call him up three years later, two and a half years later. I go, Dice, you were right. There's <laughs> <laughs> no one day she's going to hate your guts. <laughs> 
Oh, <laughs> it was great. How he couldn't have been more. And true. then he left. He goes, there was a girl in the wedding party that took her. It was on the beach. We had it like at a beach place. So the girl took her, her shoes off and was dancing barefoot. And she had to go out to the car to put like more money in the meter. And her feet were dirty because it was a little rainy or something. And he comes and she was dancing. And Dice left my wedding early because the girl had dirty feet. And it upset him so much. A fucking chick with the dirty feet. What the fuck is wrong? I got to leave. Because he was gone after like an hour. Because I couldn't take this fucking slob out there with a dirty feet. Oh. What's wrong with her? It's a wedding. He's going crazy. So he's still to this day. That chick, he was going to put on one of his albums, the chick with the dirty feet. Have, have, you, has, have you talked to him about Sebastian? Are they, are they cool now? Um, I don't know. I know that they have beef for a second. Yeah. But I don't know if it... I'm, I'm going to imagine they'd work it out. Probably at some point. Yeah. That would bum me out, like, to have the guy you open for. Oh, I guess take that back. That happened to me totally. <laughs> what am I talking about? <laughs> but I don't speak to Jay Moore at all. <laughs> oh, right. You used to open for Jay, right? Yeah, I used to open for Jay, and then we had a falling out, and I was spoken to him, and probably... <sighs> I'm... Fuck, I don't know. You haven't, you don't run into him at all. No, huh? I almost ran into him uh, at the store. He was running his new hour uh, in the belly room, and I was there. And I, I wouldn't have a problem running into him. I'd probably say hi to him. I don't have any beef with him. Right. I don't dislike him. I don't hate him. Um, it's just one of those things. I think we've just, you know, there was a time where it was a little contentious, um, but I, it's been so long that I, I. I, f- I just I'm sure if you guys ran into each other you guys would be fine it would be fine but we're so different like you know it's it's hard now because I'm such a different man than I was when I knew him right you know I definitely was a guy who listened to people and took advice and now I'm someone who like I won't listen to anybody like I'm almost defiant I won't listen to anyone I wonder if that's part of the process right like if someone tells me something I do the exact opposite <laughs> <Right>. sometimes <laughs> that's good <laughs> and so uh, but I haven't yeah I haven't run into him I haven't run into him probably like, I guess it's been like nine years maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I see him all, you know, when I come out here, I'll do his podcast or whatever. I'll do a show with him. And, um, no, I know him from New York, you know, back from the you know Boston him Comedy Club. Time. Yeah. He seems really happy. I, I, I check out his Instagram and he's like, yeah, he's in Malibu. He's fucking on a paddleboard fishing every day. His, he's with his sons. Like he seems really fucking happy. Yeah. So. I mean, good for him. And he's doing everything with the Lakers. He's a big sports fan. I know. So it's like, how the fuck can you not be happy if you're doing exact if you're following your passion? Mm. Yeah. But, yeah, I'd be interested to see his um, his new hour. I bet's probably good because he's gone through a bunch of shit. It's always good when you go through some shit, right? Oh yeah. Is there any part of you when you're going through that divorce where you're like, this is gonna be great? Um, in the beginning, no, but I knew there was something there. Yeah. I had one line, and I'm like, for like the first three months, I couldn't even come up with new material. It was really weird. I thought my career was over. Really? So I was so, well, not over, but I was so fucked up that I couldn't come up with any material at all. Because my mind was just, you know, I was sleeping like three, four hours a night, and, you know, just got blindsided and all that. And then going through a divorce, you know, all that shit, wanted to get, try to get it done quick and just get everything over. And I was just basically going up on stage and doing like greatest hits from like five years. Really? Like the best, because that's the way I was, I was already booked at all these clubs. So that's, and I just felt like, I'm like, this sucks. I feel like I'm mailing in. I'm not doing anything new. I'm not working on my act, but I just really couldn't come up with anything. And then one night at the, like the, the, the stand on a Thursday night in front of like 10 people, I had this, I go, I'm going to just start talking about it on stage. I had one line and I started with that line. I started getting laughs. 
and um, I got and I started riffing on stage and I got laughs. And within three days, I had thirty minutes of material on it. Really, it just opened the floodgates. How much of that personal stuff do you? You've probably, I would say, inarguably, you've, you're probably the one comic that's dealt with more personal issues with chicks than any other comic in the yeah and that's that's from you know going back to you know um being shy and then when i once once i broke out when i got the long hair i started you know meeting all these strippers and wild girls and i was always attracted to that yeah but then it's you know it's you know at some point you gotta go you can't do this anymore because it's it's too much chaos in your life you know, you, you can't focus on your career because you got so much chaos over here. I always thought, like, you know, if someone that's married and's got a family, you're gonna t- it's gonna take away from your comedy. But no, and my therapist's like, no, that's stupid. He goes, no, the, the guys that are married and have a good family, those guys are more successful because they got that other side of their life completely calm. You know, and he goes, yeah. you got all this chaos going on, so you can't really focus. They could focus on their career. Yeah, you can have some little shit in your marriage, but you're not dealing with constant chaos and these crazy girls. They're not dealing with that, so they could focus on their work. So wait, did did was there a point where you're you're cool talking about both of the things, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was there a point because I'm, I'm sure there's people listening. One of the first things I one of the first times I ever reached out to you per, private personally was when you wrote that article about suicide. Yeah, that was fucking. That was. I, that was really moving because I've lost a lot of friends to suicide. Like I've lost probably more than the average person, I would guess. I just got a text from one of my really close friends whose brother killed himself, who was the most recent, and that was the hardest because I was like, I was like, you're just like, fuck. Yeah. But is there a certain point? Is there a certain point where you start blaming yourself and you're like, am I doing this? Like, am I a part of the fucking problem? Like, I got one chick that cheats on me, one chick that kills herself. Like. What am I like? Where's my responsibility in this, or does it, or do you have to? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I can't blame it on anybody else. I got to. It's, it's. I'm, I'm picking the wrong women. Uh, you know, I can't blame. Go. Uh, this is just bad luck. No, I know. You know, there was red flags there with both of them, and I just, just, just ignored them. Like, what were the red flags? Like, because I definitely pick. I think. I think my entire life, I've picked a certain type of woman. The ones that make me feel comfortable in me. Like, were there certain things where you're like, oh, this chick likes to fucking start fights at a bar. This is what I'm talking about. Right. <laughs> I always liked that one, too. I liked the one that was dancing on the bar. The wild <laughs> one that was dancing on a bar. But they're only fun for an hour. Yeah. And the rest of the 23 hours a day, you got to deal with them. Yeah. They got one hour window where they're fun, and then they're crying soon. Maybe in the car ride oh, home. That's so fucking but, brilliant, Jim. Because uh, you're right. There are things that right? we like in women, and then when you see them... The other 23 hours, you're like, oh, I don't know if I can be signed up for this. Absolutely. Their phone's missing, their keys, their car got towed, you know, they just lost their job, you know, they got pulled over, their car got impounded. I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) But you gave a great blowjob in the car on the way home. There's so many guys listening to this going, (laughs) I'm with that girl, I'm with that girl. (laughs) Their car got impounded, their fucking keys are lost, their phone's broken. Everything. Just a complete mess. (laughs) I forget where I live, I just moved in i don't know where what do you mean you don't know where <laughs> i don't know where i'm staying yeah it's just but that one hour is phenomenal and i was always attracted to that one that crazy one yeah but that comes with a lot of problems yeah you know 
So that's what, so I can't blame it on anybody. I can't go, I got bad luck. No, I just, you know, there are nice guys. I remember like when I cut my hair, when I had long hair, I would just get like, you know, strippers and hairdressers, just wild hot chicks Yeah. that just got paid in cash every day and just fucking throw it around. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I cut my hair and now girls are like, that work in a bank are attracted to me. They're like, you want to go to brunch? I didn't even know what brunch was. <laughs> I was 27 years old. I'm like, what the fuck is brunch? Why would I get up on Sunday morning early to go to fucking brunch? You know, and they, they you know, you have to go on like six or seven dates with them, you know, to have some, I'm like, this sucks. Six but, or seven dates? Off. Yeah. You have to take them movies and dinner. I'm like, what the fuck? I go, you know, I wasn't going doing any of this stuff. You know, we go eat at Wendy's or whatever. Like we were hungry, these girls, these other girls. So all of a sudden I'm eating, and I'm like, I don't, these, these girls are boring to me. Yeah. But meanwhile, that's what I needed. You know, you needed that. But I, I wasn't attracted to that. So I always just went for the crazy wild one. God. You know, but then eventually it's, 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 there's going to be problems. When did you start noticing with your first ex, meaning the first, the one that passed, when did you start, when did you start seeing red flags with her? Right off the bat, I mean, she had, she had a, you know, just a trouble life. I, like I always, I always took women in. My mom did that. Like she would just, you know, take people off the street basically really? and bring them in, and they would be living in our house. Like I feel bad for them. My grandparents, I got old. She, took, you know, with seven kids in the house, she she was always like, you know, a savior basically. So I just noticed that. So I always just felt bad. So she was, you know, had a tough childhood. You know, foster homes, adopted, molested, all of this stuff. And I met her, and she had nowhere to go. She just had a big blowout with some dude or whatever. I go, like, oh, just just stay with me for a couple of weeks. And I was living with Jim Norton at the time. I go and you know just get your shit together and then go back to Pennsylvania where she was from and then she wound up staying like I felt bad I'm like she's got nobody she has no family no nothing you know and I knew it wasn't a good it wasn't it wasn't the right move but I felt bad for her she had yeah. nobody but she was hot too <sighs> I saw a picture she was so fucking hot uh, she was so fucking hot oh it was unbelievable Un I mean you know and there was you know there was some you know Hey, you, you know, can I bring some girls home for you? I'm like, um, yeah. <laughs> so you overlook a lot of things when there's, you know, <laughs> when there's threesomes going on. There was nights where a girl, she'd bring a girl home on a scale of one to 10. She'd be like a seven. She goes, look, she's, she's too ugly for me. You can fuck her. Just go in the other room. Cause I, I, I only, I only want to be with hot girls. I'm like, really? She's like, yeah. Okay. Oh my God. Yeah. Did, did you guys ever like go to the movies and stuff or like? Yeah, we do some normal stuff because we live together. Yeah. Then we got our own, we bought our own place or whatever like that. And we lived together and we got a little dog and all that shit. So yeah, there were, there were normal times, but it was pretty, you know, but I was like, man, this is unbelievable. This is like, you know, this is too good to be true. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. So, you know, you overlook the red flags when that stuff's going on. And what were the red flags? Like when you like, like I hear the good things. What were the red flags where you were like? You're like, oh, fuck, this is not normal. Yeah, you know, definitely you could see, you know, depression issues and all that other stuff, you know. Just, I don't know if I know what depression is. Like, I mean, I think Well, I, when they don't get out of bed for like three days and all, all of a sudden, you know, they take something way harder than they should. Like, let's say you have a bad set at the comedy store. Mm -hmm. You know, you bomb, but whatever, no big deal. And you come home and you can't get out of bed for two days. You think you're the biggest loser. Like, it's not that bad. Yeah. You're going to go, then tomorrow night you're going to have a killer set. You're just off. The crowd was whatever it is. They take it way more personally and just, you know, you're like, and you're like, what the fuck? Don't worry. Just get up and go. It's going to be all right. You know, yeah. tomorrow's a new day. But, you know, for that. And I was never around that before. So I didn't even know. I'm just like, all right, maybe, you know, there's something else going on. And she, you know, she was adopted and she could she wanted to find a real mom. 
And then I said, look, I'll find your real mom. Let's go. Let's go. We'll, we'll dig. Because we knew somebody that kind of knew her. But my, my, she was afraid to meet a real mom. She goes, what if she rejects me again? She already rejected me when I was a kid, when I was a baby. Yeah. And I didn't do anything. And now what if I meet her and she wants to reject me again? I go, look, we got to. Let's go. Let's go find her. We found her. She lives living in Orange County, so we flew out to California to meet her mom for the first time. I called her on the phone. The mom's like, "I've been looking for you too," and all this shit. So we went out there and met her, and she had all these nieces and nephews and all this shit. So it was it was amazing. And I thought at that point that that would help her. You know, now she got a real mom. She's out starting to have a relationship with her and stuff. But ultimately, even that didn't help. Really? Yeah. I mean, I let you know she knew her for a couple of years. And, uh, you know, you thought, but she had such a troubled childhood, you know, that, uh, you know, just foster homes and, you know, molestation and, you know, being adopted is fucked up, you know, cause you, you know, you realize like, wow, somebody didn't want me. Like, what did I do as a baby? That's what she was always tell me. Yeah. You know, I come from a family. My parents were married 35 years, you know, until my dad passed away, but a great relationship, seven kids, friends, family, all that stuff. So it was completely, you know, I had no idea about that kind of lifestyle. I wasn't, I, you know. To me, I grew up normal. Yeah, my wife's mom walked out on her when she was a kid and left, just left. And uh, and my, I think my wife, I can totally see my wife overcompensating motherhood. Like she, my wife gave up everything when she had kids and said, this is my life. I mean, she is so involved in fucking Girl Scouts that it bothers me. I make a joke when I see her on a computer. I go, working on Girl Scout shit and... The joke is lost because she goes, yeah, and I, I it drives me nuts. Cause I go, have a, have more of a lot. Like you, you don't have to just do Girl Scout shits, but she drives them to school. Uh, to, I mean, she does so much shit, but I think it's because her mom bailed on her, and I don't think my wife's able to rectify that feeling in her head. Well, that's good because she could have taken it the other way and bailed on her kids and walked away. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of people do with that whatever their their parents did. That's why I'm always cautious now, being like I'm not gonna parade different women in my house in front of my son because I don't want him seeing that. Like, okay, that's that's what dad did, so he's just gonna have all these different, you know what I mean? So I don't bring anybody around him, you know, that I'm dating, and if I do, I'm gonna wait a while. So I don't want it to have different people coming in his life. He gets attached to this girl, and then she's gone, and then this girl, and then she's gone. Oh, that's smart. I would so, never. But but no, for, for for your wife to do it, that's great because she's like, look, I know what the mistakes my mom did. I don't want to do that. No, it's good. Look, you you. I'm telling you, I see so many women out there, and I'm around parents all the time. Just that you can find a, a good woman that just wants to take care of her kids and take care of her family. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I got I got. I'm friends with these people on my block, and they have amazing relationships. Take care. It's all about their kids, and that's what it is. Same with me. I knew with my son. I go, okay, I got to take care of this this boy. You know, when I got divorced, I go, it's all about him and I'm going to do everything I can. You know, I'm not going to be, I'm, I, I always tell him, I go, don't worry. I, I go, I'm always going to take care of you. So don't ever worry about that. I'm not going to be an absentee dad. That's why I never cheated because I knew I said, oh, okay, if I stick my dick in some girl in Vegas and I get caught, I'm going to see my kid two days a week and every other weekend. Yeah. And why, why did he, he didn't deserve that. And then he's going to come there at 18. He's like, dad, did you really need to do that? Didn't you have sex with enough girls in your lifetime? You needed one more. Yeah. Was it worth it? You know what I mean? Like, that's the way I always looked at it. So I was like, there's no way I'm going to cheat because I want to see him every day. So I, that, that was my motivation. It's funny how I left my wife out of the mix. I didn't want to do that to her. It was all about my kid. <laughs> By the way, that's me. I like, I definitely, I definitely will, I will never cheat. I won't cheat. Only because I, I woke up one morning. I said this once. I'm, I'm sure I've said this before. <clears throat> I woke up one morning 
Um, this is a really late to realize you don't want to cheat. Well, first way. of all, Bert, I've seen your audiences. You have no shot of cheating. Every guy, every one that comes looks like you. Identical. <laughs> I know. Fucking. I say that too. I go, I got, I got 40 year old guys wearing Rush concert t-shirts. Unless I want to fuck a dude wearing a, a you know, a farewell King shirt. <laughs> I'm not cheating either. We were married. I, uh, we were married. We had Isla and Georgia. And we had Mona, the dog, and we had Gus, the cat, and we were all in bed. This is in our apartment. Isla was probably two, and it, and it was like a Sunday morning, and we were just, everyone's in bed, and we're giggling hard as fuck. We're laughing so fucking hard. And I thought, okay, I, like in a moment of clarity, I go, this is what it's about. This moment of us all being in the same bed. Like, I've been chasing that one moment my whole life, probably. And I went, this is what it is. And if I fuck some chick, then I don't get to have this moment. Not even in the fact that if I get caught, my wife takes my kids and I lose half everything. It's the moment of, of, uh, of, of clarity, of like, of like pureness in my heart where I go, I don't have a lie. I remember that's the big thing. It's like, I was like, I don't have a lie in this bed. Everything I love is in this bed. I'm pure to everything in this bed. And I'm never going to fuck that up. And I, that's, I mean, and I've. I've only turned down probably two chicks in my life. I don't get a lot of pussy thrown at me. Right. But one was fucking monumental. It was on Cowhead's Cruise. Oh, my God. To this well, day. Well, of course, Florida. You know. Yeah. Oh, and it was just my type. Blonde hair, big tits, looked like a stripper. And she said she was going to suck my dick. And got in the elevator with me and followed me to my room. And Cowhead's laughing hysterically. He's like, he's not going to cheat. He's not going to cheat. And gets to my door and says... uh, let me in and I'll, I'll give you the best blowjob you've ever had in your life. And I said, you know what? It's been real fun. Um, I appreciate that. Thank you. I feel very flattered, but I am married and I love my wife and I'm not cheating on my wife. And she said, then go inside and I'll be waiting outside this door until you change your mind and you open that door. And when you open that door, no questions asked. I won't tell a soul. I'll give you the best blowjob you've ever had. And I was like, <sighs> and I shut the door in the cruise and I just sat crisscross applesauce by the door and I was like, just go away, just go away, just go away. Murdered beers until I passed out. <laughs> and well, at like four in the morning, I woke up, opened the door in a panic and she was gone. <laughs> well, look, you're going to look at it this way. If it did happen, it was in international waters. So yeah, it doesn't count. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. You, <laughs> yeah. were, you were 12 miles out in sea. It's international <laughs> waters. Yeah. I need my wife to disappear. <laughs> I think of the scenarios where it's okay that I cheat. Like, like look, you can gamble on that boat once you hit a certain spot in the water so and it doesn't count oh i would no no it's better to you like what what, are you gonna come in about a minute and a half and then it's gonna be over so quickly right so it's gonna be a minute and a half and then it's gonna be over like okay that felt great for For a minute one minute then i gotta deal with like yeah months and months of depression well that okay so then you did uh, let's just say you did it you tell your wife she wants to divorce you now you got to deal with some other dude being around your kids when she starts dating again and there's some girl that you're dating who your ex-wife's gonna hate and your daughters probably hate because they know dad fucked this up so now so you bring some girl around that's really nice but your daughters hate her because she they think you know you should be with mom it's all this craziness going on all for that one blowjob isn't that crazy yeah and then money and then this and then you know fighting back and forth no I want to do this no you do I want to put them in this school I want to put them here can I take them this weekend because I'm off no I have plans and you come on let me just take you know all of the shit it's not worth it what was uh how's the relationship with your ex uh it's okay it's not bad yeah yeah we live like 15 minutes apart and we just you know we don't hang really i mean someplace baseball or see her there or whatever but it's not it's not so bad it's it not- took a while yeah to get there 
Is she yeah. still with that dude? Yeah. For real? Yeah. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I gotta. I'll tell you a story off the air. I can't tell you on. It's just funny. It relates back to dice. But yeah, yeah, he's still. Yeah, she's still. Uh, she's still with him. I was. I remember hearing that on. Uh, I think it was Opie and Jim. Right. And I was like, fucking. <laughs> I was like one of the more intense stories I've ever heard. No, I know. Uh, I think Chad Zumach was telling me that you said you said you pulled over or something. I pulled over. Like, Holy like, shit! I was like, oh my god! Not to like spoil it for my fans, but I'm not going to make you tell it again. But it was like it was like a real. No, you could tell tell them. I don't, I don't. Well, I don't remember the story verbatim, but like it was it was all I, all I remember is that it was it was a cop. Yeah, and I remember the thing that killed me was you confronted her. You had a did you have someone following her? Yeah. Wait, you tell the story. Tell the story the best in the most abbreviated. I, yeah, basically, I, my wife was cheating. I felt something. She wasn't telling me. And I said, look, please, let's see if we can work this out. I know something's going on. She's like, look, there's nothing going on. I said, look, I'm going to I'm gonna find out. She said, go ahead. There's nothing going on. So I said, all right. So I called my friend up. And I said, look, I need someone to follow my wife because I think she's cheating. And then I busted her, you know, through private investigators. And the guy wound up being a cop. And then there was a whole thing where some stuff was said and I had to call his police chief up because, you know, he was a cop in the town where my, all my, my uh, family lived and they were like nervous that this guy was going to do something, whatever. So yeah. I called his police chief up and next thing I know, there's a story in the New York Post that I'm trying to get this cop fired from his job because he fucked my wife and broke up my marriage. Yeah. You know, so the New York Post calls me up out of the blue and I'm like, I was, Trainwreck was just coming out and I had a part in Trainwreck. And they said, look, whatever press, you know, we're doing some New York stuff. So, they get, you know, all these New York Post probably called Daily News, wants to do a thing with the comedians that are in the movie, Amy's friends. So I pick up the phone. Like, yeah, there's a New York Post. I'm like, oh, cool. I'm going to talk about, it. yeah, I'm in train wreck. It's coming out. It's all. They go, so we just want to get a thing about your ex-wife. So you ha uh, you called this police show. I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, yeah, we're doing a story. We're running a story. We have all the information. Somehow the whole thing got leaked to New York Post. So it's in the New York Post. The surveillance pictures of my wife and the this guy coming out of a restaurant, all of this shit. And, and then it was, so Opie and Anthony bring it up or Opie and Jim. Yeah. Cause I was in there like three days later and it was a big, it was a big, you know, it was a whole page story in the New York post. And this is like, I remember, I remember listening and going, Oh, they're going to dump out of this at some point. Like, cause right. And, and, and you just kept going and you were like a hundred percent. That's one of the things that I say that we have in common that I respect in people is like, I'm an open book. Like if you want to if you want to find out an answer, just ask me the question, and I'll tell you the truth. Only because I talk so much, I don't know if I don't tell the truth, then I'm gonna get confused and, and fucking tell nine different lies. So I just tell you everything I can. I'm an open book. It, it, it same thing happened when my ex committed suicide. I said, look, I'm just gonna say what it really was. I probably could have covered it up. I probably could have said it was an accidental overdose or whatever. I said, no, let me let me just be honest with it. I don't want any more secrets. Yeah. It's just better to just just uh, just say it, and then three days later, everyone's gonna be on to something else. They'll talk about it, and then something else will happen in the news. Yeah. So I just said, just be honest. So that yeah, basically, so what happened was some guy called in, Opie and Anthony, and we were talking yeah. about it, and um. You know, saying, yeah, you know, whatever. And he's like, dude, tell the truth. You know, your wife was fucking this 22-year-old cop from the gym, from the CrossFit gym. Why don't you tell the truth? What happened? I'm like, yeah, all right, well, whatever. He's like, I know the guy or whatever. I know them or something like that. I'm like, all right. And he mentioned the guy's name and they, they cut they, that off they the cut air that, or whatever. Out, yeah. And he's like, yeah, he goes, just be honest. They met. I'm like, okay, yeah, they did. All right, what do you want me to do? He's like, yeah, that's fuck. I'm like, yeah, I go, look, I just want to, you know. Whatever, I just got to, you know, to make sure my kid's taken care of. What am I going to do? Shit happened. Did yeah, you guys split custody? 
Yeah, we got 50 50, 50 percent. That's great. Yeah. And does and but the one part, the one part that like stuck in my head because I've been there, not in this scenario, but I've been to that moment was when you were confronting her and her dad came out and was like, or was it your dad or her dad and said, Hey, what's going on out here? Her dad. Yeah. And he was like, and you're like, she's cheating on me. And you're like, Jim, that's impossible. That's not, and you're like, I've, I had a private detective follower. Yeah. 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 He, Cause they were, they were in, she, he was in the car and we were having an argument outside. Cause that's when I confronted her and he came out and goes, what's going on? You guys gotta, you guys gotta, you know, you can't be, it was out front of, front of my kid's school. We weren't screaming or anything like that. Yeah. I go, look, you, your daughter cheated on me and I'm divorcing her. And he's like, what? No, that didn't happen. I go, no, I got pictures to prove it. Yeah. I go, yeah, I mean, she did. You know, and then uh, it was a weird, so <laughs> I'll tell this story because it's so fucked up. So three days later, I said, no, we're getting divorced. That's it. Three days later, her father shows up at my house. That is her dad. And he goes, you know, you didn't have sex with my daughter for six months. What do you expect her to do? And I'm like, what? I go, I go, what? I go, first of all, this is weird that her dad's saying that. He goes, what do you expect her to do? You did this on purpose that you didn't want to have sex with her so she would go out and do this so you could divorce her and get rid of her. I go, are you fucking out of your mind? He goes, you didn't have, what kind of relationship is that? You didn't have sex with her for, you know, for six months. What's she supposed to do? I go, she's lying. He goes, no, she's not. I go, she's lying. And he's in my face. And I go, I, and I go, I go, you want me to be honest? He goes, you're lying. I go, I go, I, I, I go, I go last Monday night. I fucked her. Tw- I fucked her twice. And 12 hours later, she fucked that dude. She had two dicks in her in 12 hours. Motherfucker. He goes, fuck you. And left my house and slammed the door. Oh my God. I had to, I said it right to his face. Cause yeah. he, I thought he was going to punch me. And I'm like, look, I'm not, I didn't, we were having sex all the time. So it was a complete lie, but that's what she told the parents. And I was really close to her parents. They lived in my house for like a year. But I told him, I go, look, I had sex with her Monday night. Then 12 hours later, she had another dick inside of her. That's what I said to him. Oh, my God. That's got to be tough to swallow as a fucking. I know. Well, I'm like, he came to my house, fucking knocks on my door, and he's in my face. And I'm trying to tell him, I go, look, your daughter's lying. That's not true. She's just making that up. Oh, my God. Now, how do you how do you rectify that in a relationship to raise a child? Like, do you did you at one point have to sit down with her and the guy and go or did you No, I've never met the dude. He won't meet me. He's afraid. For real? Yeah. So you never even met the guy? No, he won't come around. He's, you know, he knows what he did. I, I got no problem meeting him, but he won't meet me. I've mean, it's been like what three, four years, three and a half years. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's definitely dodging you. Oh, he died all the time. He dodged me. He hides. That's fucking so fucked up. Yeah, I know. It's like oh, whatever, dude. Just be a man. It's like whatever, you know. It was a while. He, I'm, he... I'm almost glad now. I'm like, I want to shake his hand. I'm like, good dude, you got me out of that fucking mess. Yeah. Looking back, I'm like, I'm glad. I go, she's your problem now. You know what I mean? Like, I would be like, dude, I, I told one of his friends, I said, this guy that knows me, I said, look, just tell him, just get this message to him that once she fucks you over, I want to have a beer with you. <laughs> yeah, I said, just tell him. <laughs> I don't know if I got back up or not. I go, I want to go have a beer with you. When she fucks because, you over. Yeah, when she fucks you. Because the ex-husband, her ex-husband, he he kind of knew me. He, she was married before. And he was trying to get in touch with me when I first started dating to warn me. Yeah. Like through Facebook. And she started making this stuff that this guy did this. Don't talk to him. And I kind of knew him. And I, I go, and she made up all these lies about him. I go, well, fuck that guy. I'm not going to talk to him. And then when my shit went down, I got in touch with him. He goes, dude, I was trying to warn you. I was trying to warn you. Like, I know, but she said you did it. I never did that. I go, fuck. She got oh. me. 
That's amazing how girls can pit the guy they're dating versus the guy they dated who knows who they are. Like the guy, like that happened to me. There was a girl that I dated and other guys wanted to say, I'd watch out for that. And she was like, they're fucking, they were abusive. And you're like, and then you're like, I, I can't fucking talk to you. Yeah. And they're like, all right. And then you end up getting burned by them. And you're like, and they're like, told you. I know. I know. I'm friends with her brother. I'm still friends with her brother. We hang. They don't talk anymore. Yeah. And I, I always yell at him. I go, you didn't tell me about your fucking sister. I'm still mad. He goes, what was I supposed to say? I go, why didn't you warn me, motherfucker? What was I supposed to say? Yeah, he's like, well, I'm going to say something about my sister. I go, you never warned me. I still going to hold that against you. I always just fuck with him. So didn't, so how did how do you rectify that relationship when raising a, a kid? Do you literally just let it blow over or do you just, do you, do you have to sit down and talk or like, like, how do you, how did like, how did you, how did like, how, so it happens, you've got the child, like what's the next step? Like that's where I, that's the, where the rubber meets the road part. You just, you know, you work out a schedule when I got them, when you got them and then you drop them off. You don't see them too much when the kids are in school. It's basically like, you know. I got him in the morning. He goes on the school bus, and then the afternoon she picks him up. So you really don't. So you don't. Yeah. So you don't even have a lot of interaction. And she has him most weekends. I am early in the week, so we really don't even see each other. Okay. So it's just and there's nothing really going on. He's in second grade. What do you you know? There's really nothing to talk about. He just goes in. He fucking does his shit. And that's it. Do you guys both do parent like like when it's parents' night? Do you guys both show up? You know, sometimes we'll both sign up like, oh, boy, hey, how you doing? You know, <laughs> how you doing? Yeah. I remember like the first like six months after it was like a kindergarten thing. And it was like the parents had to be there and then they have to sit at a table. And then the teacher walked out of the room. It was our turn. And we're just sitting there for like five minutes. I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. I know. <laughs> just just silence. Like, yeah, it's good. It's good. You know, yeah. I can't believe the weather. I mean, it's, yeah. It's like, dude, man, this is fucking a come. Please get that teacher back in the room. God damn it. But now we're cordial. I'm just like, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Good. You know, and all that Do you ever think about so, writing a book? Yeah. No, there's some crazy shit. I mean. Because your, your life experiences are like. Well, I do have a book out. Everybody is awful except you. Is it? Do you really? Yeah. Shut but up. But it's not more. It, yeah, it's at, yeah, it's been out. I put it out in February. Oh, shut up. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's is it on Amazon? Amazon. It's in Barnes and Noble. That's fucking. What do you write about in that? It's more like ranting. I mean, ranting about different stuff. But there's some stuff about childhood and growing up and all that stuff. Anything but, about Eminem? Um, yeah, I did write a little bit about meeting him. Yeah, really? Yeah, that's fucking fascinating to me. So that was insane. I mean, he was calling my house, like he was prank calling my phone. Dude, my you cell were phone. the standout star from that. When when Crank Yankers came out, you were the standout star. No questions asked. Yeah. Special Ed, was that his name? Yeah, Special Ed, yeah. What a fucking... <laughs> I remember... I, I know I've told you this, but I remember where I was when I first heard it, and I remember I was doubled over laughing. I was in Vincent Nastry's office in New York Entertainment with uh, where Barry Cass's office yeah, was, yeah. and Vincent was playing it, and he's like, dude, you gotta fucking hear this. Like, Vincent was... Vincent's... Uh, I will say this. Do you, have you talked... Do you know Vincent? I don't know. I don't know if I know Vincent. I probably was out of New York Entertainment by then. Um, he is he's a tastemaker i believe like he finds he's got a really good sense of humor and he find he would find stuff that was really funny and he'd share it with you like he was he turned me on to Jesus and miro he, like he showed me Jesus and miro right. one you know Jesus and miro yeah 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 one time our, we're dropping our kids off at school his kids go to school where my kids used to go to school and he's like uh, you follow Jesus and miro and i go yeah a little bit and he goes have you seen this video of the 
lady that runs her minivan into the bodega? And I go, no. And he goes, you got to see this. And the line that had me killing was uh, the guy starts videotaping and and uh, Miro goes, uh, shout out to the shout out to the Puerto, the entrepreneurial Puerto Rican who decided to shoot this in landscape mode. <laughs> and I just died laughing. Vincent, but he played that for me and I was fucking howling. That was the, that like, what was that experience like? Like the whole. It started because when I was living with Jim Norm, we had this little shitty place. And during the day, I would just have sets at night. I, I, if telemarketers called, I would record them and just fuck with them. I try to keep them on the phone for like 45 minutes. Yeah. And I was just bored, you know what I mean? I had nothing else going on. So I would just sit by the phone, and then I'd play the call for Jim later when he would wake up at like 5 o'clock at night or whatever because he'd be up all night. But then I, and I started doing that character. I'm like, these people are not responding. Like, they're, they're okay with what I'm doing. I go, now I'm going to see if I can act basically retarded and see if they still stay on the phone with me. <laughs> so I just started yelling, yay, yay, just like that. And I remember, forget, like Norton goes, would wait, woke up one day. He goes, he goes that thing is going to sweep the nation at yay. He goes, I can't get out of my head. He goes, it's so dumb it's the dumbest thing ever but i cannot get it out of my head i'm telling you, that thing's gonna be huge. you've got mail i've got mail yeah, yeah. i got mail yay <laughs> it was so, so so then you know cut to like six months i put a cd out i just make it up I, i'm selling on my shows yeah i don't have a record label no nothing and then i mail him that howard stern show and he starts playing it like the next day he goes who the fuck is this guy holy shit he's funny rogan was in studio the first day he was playing it on stern yeah and rogan's really? like i know this guy he's like holy shit because we got to get him in here that was when like they were having different comics come in and sit on the show yeah and um and th next thing i know i'm in there like a month later i'm sitting in a howard stern show and he's playing all my prank calls and that special ed character on my cds and jimmy kimmel and adam carolla are huge fans and they hear the show and like two months my manager goes hey this comedy central wants to do this prank call show and they want they want you on the show and jimmy and adam are are gonna be it's their show and they're already doing the man show so they're already guaranteed six episodes god and I'm like, man, I go, uh, prank calls with puppets? I go, that's going to be awful. All, all I thought of was Norton, Rich Voss, Patrice, all those guys, Bobby Kelly making fun of me, and I'm on some show to, making prank calls with puppets. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. I'm going to get shit when I go to the cellar or a Boston Comedy Club. And he goes, well, look, it's six episodes. I go, of course I'm going to do it. And then the fucking thing just took off. I mean. It was insane. I don't think any of us will ever. I don't think anyone. I don't, I, I don't know anyone that will experience that kind of a fucking immediate fucking reaction like that must have been night and fucking day like yeah, I one mean, look i went to featuring and 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 you know funny bones and improvs to headline and it's selling out like five shows on a weekend from that once that show hit fucking but but people always thought i was bringing a puppet oh really yeah it was a pre the first time we had the premiere in new york we took pictures next to the puppet i remember that picture so, yeah i so, know that so they put, i know that picture so very they put well. it online so the picture was online for the premiere so all the comedy clubs would take that picture you know you special ed from yeah, crank yeah, yeah. coming so everyone thought and then we'd be outside of the club outside of the funny bony improv or on their website so people oh. thought i was doing a puppet show so there was kids coming to my shows otto and george must have been losing their fucking mind yeah well i was friends with otto at the time and i, I he goes you're not you're gonna do a puppet show? i go no fuck no i go you you do it the best so i'm not even gonna, i go no i could have made easily two million dollars in one year doing if you had a puppet it. if i would have toured and did the puppet and did that for 45 minutes i go but i want a career yeah you know what i mean like where am i gonna go with this i and now in retrospect like what if you had done the last 15 minutes of of 
him responding to yeah. people. I just couldn't. I couldn't. I was like, I'm friends with Otto. He does it the best. And my other f- comic friends will never let me down that I'm doing a puppet. Otto might be the most unsung, like, like no one. I don't think anyone that listens to this knows Otto and George. Like knows them the way I like. I got introduced to Otto and George through Jay. Right. I remember Jay brought me to his house, the one he used to live back in the hills, and he, uh, my I think my wife and my daughter came, and we went downstairs. He did two things. He showed me his handgun, and then he brought me into his private room, and we started watching Otto and George, and we might have sat there for an hour and a half watching Otto and George, and my wife was just, I, well, I, don't, I forgot that I was anywhere. The fucking greatest. There's a bunch of YouTube clips if you've never heard Otto and George, a triple X ventriloquist. You got to check it out. It's 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 unbelievable. It's it's an act that you could I, you know I must have been in the back of the room two hundred times watching. You can watch it over and over again. What are some good Otto and George memories? It, it, right now, his wife, you know, he passed away like four years ago. Is watching my dog. We're still close. We're oh, really? neighbors. Yeah, we were. I lived right around the corner from him for a while. What was he like? He's a real quiet guy. Definitely quiet off stage, but just a genius. I mean, but you know, he had his he had his demons. You know, he was you know he's addicted to crack at some at some point and coke and all that shit, and would always go score after a show and cause problems. So you know that really derailed his career. Yeah, you know he just got it, but then he cleaned himself up at the end. You know, for the last like ten years, and you know, legend. Every comic loved him. He was a comics comic. Yeah, you know, um, but just. Um, you know, unfortunately, had you know passed away, but just a great dude, man. We love. How did he pass? Stroke? Um, I think it was heart attack. Heart attack. Yeah. Did he? He got clean, but he didn't. Just didn't go to the doctor and stuff. Yeah, I think he just you know one day. I know he got uh, like meningitis or something like that. Like a year before, they had to like emergency land the plane. He was up in Canada doing a gig, and he was in like you know. He had to get a helicopter back to the United States. He was in the hospital for like 10 days. I didn't think he was going to make it. So that that was a year before he passed. So that might have had something to do with, yeah. you know, what had happened. I think he was like 55, 56. He lived a hard life, though. Yeah. He did. But he was a great dude. He's a really nice guy. I like, heard- I, would, I just bring my dog over there. We both have little Yorkies. And we'd be walking him. He goes, look at it. He goes, if, if they saw us, two comics, walking these little <laughs> six-pound Yorkies. And I just go hang out over there, you know, and stuff. Um it's a shame, though. Yeah, he was. He was really. He was. I. I only heard one story. I don't. I forget who it was from, but they were partying and they had coke. And I, and this was probably uh, urban legend. But Otto's like, uh, they're all hanging. They're all doing coke, and he's like, "Hey, do you mind if I go get George?" And they're like, "What?" He's like, "I want to. Do you mind if I go get George?" And they're like, "Yeah, of course." So he goes out to the truck trunk of his car, brings in George, and George is like, "This fucking cocksucker." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and starts going off on the party and George is talking. Yeah. I think that's fucking amazing. No, he was, you know, it's too bad, man. David Copperfield was a huge fan of his. Really? Yeah. Copperfield actually went to one of his shows and he's like, you know, he goes, look, man, you need a new puppet. That thing is all ratty because he would just like have it in a duffel bag. It was all fucked up. So Copperfield goes, look, I want that puppet because he collected puppets. I'm going to ta- I'm going to build you a brand new George. So you can have a brand new one, but I want the old one. He's like, okay, so like, and he has it in his museum, Copperfield. Really? Yeah, Copperfield's a huge fan of his. He, I don't. Oh, so Otto does like. Remember, he was married to Claudia Schiffer, that yeah. supermodel. Yeah. Copperfield for a little while, so it's like her fortieth birthday, or it's Copperfield's fortieth or fiftieth birthday, and she she knows that uh, Copperfield's obsessed with Otto. She hires Otto to do a private party, a private birthday party for Copperfield. 
So it's it, it. Otto says he's in his suite in New York City in his friggin' you know mansion, and it's just uh, it's Copperfield, Copperfield's assistant, and Claudia Schiffer, the biggest supermodel in the world, and he's up there going, yeah, cock, you know, that, cock. that wet pussy, yeah, yeah. So your pussy smells like hot garbage, and and she's just miserable because she, you oh. know, and then and then his assistant's like, hey, David wants you to do that bit again about Madonna or whatever like that, and he would do the bit, and he just said Claudia Schiffer was so miserable but she knew that Copperfield loved Otto oh that's and it was hilarious. did it in front of three people oh my god I don't know if I could do that I saw the video where he's like uh uh when he's talking about uh I, for, t- picking up someone at the airport you ever not you ever notice I want you to pick you up at the airport hey can you pick me up at the airport bring your sister like a fuck out like <laughs> I, I'm gonna fucking remind me to look up Otto and George for this week's open tabs I'll play some Otto and George I, I, they did a really cool uh, thing on um, on line today if it was comic if you could steal a joke a joke from a comic like it, what, what are your favorite jokes from comics right and I thought it was a really cool bit Patton Oswalt did this one from um, this guy Joe Zimmerman which is a really great joke uh, no, yeah, no. Uh, John Mulaney did that one. Patton Oswalt did uh, Gary Goldman's uh, state abbreviation joke. Did you ever hear that? No. Oh, it's a really great bit. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a perfect bit. Like it's like the kind of bit like Jay Larson's bit about the receiving a wrong phone number. Have you ever heard that? No. So wait, what? Okay, those. those I'm are, thinking of Otto's bit right now. Do you ever hear that joke about? It? He goes, "I'm on a plane. The Pope's sitting next to me, and he's doing a crossword puzzle. And he goes, hey, what's a what's a four letter word for a woman that ends in N T? He goes, he goes, aunt. Uh, no, oh, wait, how does it go? Oh, and Otto goes, aunt. He goes, oh, he goes, I wrote cunt. He goes, you got an eraser? He goes, the Pope wrote cunt. The Pope wrote cunt. <laughs> the Pope wrote cunt. Yeah. The Pope wrote cunt. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> What's a four-letter word? <laughs> that for a woman that ends in N-T. <laughs> you mean aunt? He oh. goes, aunt. Oh, yeah, you got an eraser? The Pope wrote cunt. <laughs> <laughs> the Pope wrote cunt. The Pope wrote cunt. <laughs> oh. Who are other people that, like, when, that you came up with that were really, really talented that just disappeared? Like I say, Otto. I don't. I, I, Otto didn't disappear, but it, it, he's like a. I would say he's like a like a. It, he's a tragedy in this business. Yeah. That he didn't get bigger. Yeah. And I guess I guess there was no real opportunity for him because when he was doing it, he was doing it at a high level, but dirty. And there was no place for that. Yeah, I mean, he did a couple little things. He did like Showtime After Dark or something like that, I think. And then he did Comedy's Dirtiest Dozen. Yeah. Like, but other than that, yeah, because you, your options were HBO or Comedy Central, and Comedy Central wasn't putting them on. No. And HBO wasn't, you know, they were doing, they weren't doing as, you know, they, they were doing, doing Seinfeld and Belzer and yeah. Robert Klein and stuff like that. So he wasn't getting on there either. So he was real limited in the in the. I worked you know, with, to do TV. I worked with uh, Bob Levy one time. Yeah. It was, uh, they used to do this, uh, they used to do this. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't tell this story. The blue cheese? No, no. We worked with uh, Savannah Sampson. They used to do these triple uh, X rated uh, oh, vivid yeah, the- video comedy shows. Yeah. And, uh, and 
Bob Levy was in the green room and there must have been five porn stars in there. I don't, I don't know if he was partying. I don't know if I, at the time, I don't know any of that. I don't, I, I, I won't say he was cause I don't know, but I only was open, I opened the green room door and he's like, get the fuck out of here and <laughs> shut the door. And I was like, all right, I guess green room's off limits, everybody. <laughs> no, he was partying. Yeah. Bob will tell you. Yeah. yeah. But I went on the road with him for a long time. And then Savannah Sampson showed me her pussy. There's a picture of that on uh, MySpace. Someone took a picture of her showing me her put. Really? Yeah. I wonder what she's doing now. Did you ever have sex with a porn star? No. I would love to have. No, that would that would be great. I would I would definitely would, would too. I, I just, remember Jim used to say he'd get his papers and then come out to L.A. and fuck porn stars. Like he'd get. Yeah, because they would be on the radio with him, so he had a we had a he had a shot with them. God. You know, but I, no, I would I would definitely would. Yeah. So we had it. So how did Eminem find you through? Did he find you through Crank Anchors? Yeah, yeah. You know, we did one season. It wasn't getting good ratings. We did six episodes. We weren't sure if the show was going to get picked up. It was really? kind of on the yeah. It was on the fence because it wasn't. It didn't hit right away the show. Oh. So in between that that period, we're not sure. Uh, we hear that Eminem is a fan through the grapevine. Like we, I'm like, wow, really? Eminem is. And then like a week later, it's the MTV Movie Awards, and he wins a, a award. I guess it was for Eight Mile. And he, he goes up there and his acceptance speech is doing special ed. Really? The whole the whole time. He's just going, yay, boo, 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 yay, you go, lady. And I'm just going, <laughs> he went for like three straight minutes and that was it. And then he walked off. And I remember it was on like entertainment the next day. They're like, what was Eminem doing? Was that like a personal uh, thing to his friend? What was he doing up there? Is he losing his mind? What was that? No one knew what it was. And you knew what it was. I knew what it was. And we all did. Kimmel and Carole were like, holy shit. And all of a sudden, they're like, no. And all of a sudden, they started getting out. It's Crank Angers. It's Crank Angers. And then we get a call like, hey, Eminem wants to be on Crank Angers. He wants to be on that show. He watches with his daughter every week, and it's his favorite show. And he wants you guys to come to Detroit, and he wants to do calls with the guy does special ed. And I did another one, Bobby Fletcher. Yeah. So, and then all of a sudden, Comedy Central, all right, we're picked up. Absolutely, let's go. So, you know, in three days, I'm in a studio, in the Eminem studio on 8 Mile, doing prank calls with him. What was his house like? I didn't go to his house. We went right just, to his studio. Just studio? Yeah, we went to a recording studio, because that's where we'd record the calls anyway, right yeah. off the record, off the board. What's Eminem like? He's great, though. He's a child. He's just, he's like dice, just pulls pranks. Really? Loves it, yeah. Oh. I remember when, it first, um, like I knew, I, I met his manager in New York like a few days before I went out there. I gave him all my CDs. I had these telemarketer CDs. I gave him like three of them. I had three out already. So he gave them, he goes, yeah, Eminem's a big prank phone call fan. I want to give them to him. I see him come into the studio. I'm already in there. I'm just like, we're just messing around. And I see him walk in. And I see him through the glass. I'm like, holy shit. There he is. I'm like, this is fucked up. And I was a big Eminem fan. I'm like, all right, I got to be huge. I go, all right, I just got to be, I got to be, you know, this is the prime of his career. Oh, this is no one's fucking, bigger yeah. in the world. There's a rock. And I go, all right, I go, I met Howard Stern before and he was an idol of mine. I was calm in front of him. Everything's fine. I go, he's just a person. Yeah. And I remember he walks in and he walks right up to me. He's just like, he goes, I can't believe I'm in the room with special ed. <laughs> and I go, likewise, I, go, I can't believe I'm in the room with you. He goes, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. And we sat down for like a half hour and he talked about all my prank calls. He goes, well, how did you do this? And when you said this one, and even the ones that I released on my own, he knew, plus the crank anchor shit. He's like, I'm obsessed, but you don't understand. I'm obsessed by you. you. It's insane. He goes, I know every one of your calls. Like he would repeat them. He knew every line to them. And then next thing I know, he goes, come on, let's do some calls. And we, we were just riffing back and forth. Me and him just making shit up. Just dial a number out. We'll just figure it out. 
And so how did that work? You guys just dial a, a random number? Yeah, random number. Like we call a 99 cent store, I remember. And I was special ed and he was my brother, special M. And we just asked how much shit was over and over again. You know, how much? 99 cents. Yay, yay. You know, whatever. And just uh, constant over and over again. Holy shit. Yeah. And then he's like, dude, he goes, I'm going to put you on one of my records. I'm going to put some of your, your, your snippets from your calls on, on my next record. I'm like, and his manager's like, you know, you're okay with that, Jim? I'm like, of course. Wait, did they make it on? No, they never did. Oh. Like, he didn't put one out for like another year, but he wanted yeah. to. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, of course. I'm like, this is unbelievable. And then we went to dinner with him that night. And then later, that then like three months later, we did the MTV Music Awards together. Really? Yeah. He's like, I want to do a bit where Special Ed, I beat up Special Ed. Because I guess the year before, uh, Triumph the Insult, Insult Dog went in the crowd and was fucking with Eminem and he got mad. Yeah. So the next year, the bit was, hey, he's, he's friends with this puppet. He went to puppet therapy and he's got a new buddy. And I'm there with Eminem. I'm under, under the podium. I'm doing the voice. The puppeteer is doing, doing the Special Ed and Eminem's standing right there. So we had to rehearse. He was in that town for like three days Holy and shit. shit. So I remember we rehearsed and then his manager goes, goes, Eminem wants you and special ed at dinner tonight. I go, I, I can't bring the puppet. He's like, what do you mean? He goes, he wants a puppet there. I go, no, I go, there's only one puppet. Comedy Central's not going to let the fucking puppet go. They need him for tomorrow night. There's only one special ed puppet. And he's like, and he's, hey, I remember him going over and telling me, he goes, all right, he wants you. He goes, well, he wants you to at least do the voice for him at dinner. I go, of course I'll fucking sit in his lap. And then we were just sitting there, and they're like next to them, like two little kids, just fucking with the waitress, doing bits for my album and stuff like that, ordering a special ed. Really? Yeah. Are you good? Are you good with being around celebrities? Like, do you? Yeah, yeah. It took a while. I mean, Dan Marino is another one. I work with him on Inside the NFL. I'm a huge Dolphin fan. So I was like, holy shit! Yeah. I'm fucking. You know, I did a season on there, like you know, as a comic doing bits, football bits, and shit like that. And he was on there. And I was a huge Marino fan. I'm still friends with him to this day, but that was another one. I'm like, fucking damn. Dan Marino my life. Dan Marino might be, because I grew up in Florida, that might be, in my opinion, that that's, I mean, it's hard to say bigger than Eminem, but like Dan Marino's fucking massive. Massive. And I was a, a huge Dolphin fan, still am. Yeah. So he was like my whole life. I have a picture of my dick that I photoshopped um, where I just made it like really fucking massive. And I used to show it to people and like, like, uh, like just ridiculous. <laughs> so I'm doing, uh, Paul and young Ron. That's their final show. Right? right. Young Ron. They're, they're out of West Palm. Yeah. No, I know. No, no, I'm yeah, saying Ron, that's Ron. people listening. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Young Ron's retiring. It's yep. his final show. It's, uh, right before Christmas and that's it. And it's a going away party for young Ron. And I show this picture of my dick to, uh, here, I'll show it to you real quick. It's uh, it's aggressive. It's aggressive to say the least. Um, here, this is it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, I showed it to I showed it to Jim Norton, and he goes, "Was your dick attacked by bees?" <laughs> and so I show it to Paul and Young Ron, and they start laughing, and they're like, "That's not real. That's not real." And I go, "No, it's real. Is that big?" And they're like, are you kidding me? Is that big? You, you've seen other guys naked, right? And I go, no, I, I, I'm embarrassed about mine. So I don't really, I definitely don't look and I don't get naked in front of people. And they're like, that is not your dick. That is not your dick. And out of nowhere, they go, ladies and gentlemen, Dan Marino's here. And Dan Marino 
it sits down next to me and without missing a beat, I go, Dan, you spent a lot of time in locker rooms. What do you think about this dick? And he goes, oh my God. <laughs> But yeah, that's what my, that's my claim to fame with Dan Marino. What a fucking legend. A legend. And a great dude, man. How did Just, you meet him? Well, because I, I got the gig on Inside the NFL oh, yeah. on HBO. So they had, Wanda Sykes was too busy. She was doing it for a while. She, her career started taking off. So they needed another guy, someone else in there to do bits. And Dan was working on the show at the time. God. So this was the year, uh, yeah. So I went up. I went up doing a bit at Marino's house. We went down to Florida. I pretended like. Remember when Ricky Williams quit football to go yeah, smoke pot with Lenny yeah. Kravitz? Yeah. So I did a bit where I dressed up like Ricky Williams, went to go knock on Dan Marino's door because you know Ricky had the, the the visor and I put the dreads on and I wore all the white stuff so you could. So I dressed up like Ricky Williams and knocked on Dan Marino's doors, real actual house in Miami. He agreed to do it with a bong and a football, and I go, Dan, Dan I want to get back on the team. Can you throw me some passes? So I'm, I'm catching passes from Marino in his driveway. I have a bong in one hand, and he's throwing him like 100 up. miles an hour at me in a bit. With, he breaks the bong. And yeah. I'm like, you broke my bong. He's like, you got to get out of here or whatever. But I was catching passes with Dan Marino. I didn't drop one. Like, he was warming up. And Marino loves to show his arm off. Really? He loves to throw like 100 miles an hour. He's like he's got a th- rifle? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he used to throw those rock and jock. Remember those rock and jock games on yeah. MTV? Like those rappers? He would throw like 100 miles an hour at like Nelly. And like, God damn. Like that just to show because I look, I just want to show you my arm off. So he was fine, and I didn't I didn't drop one of them. He goes, This motherfucker he goes, Damn, you haven't dropped one. I go, I've been waiting twenty years for this. Oh. No way am I dropping one. But we, so we did a whole bit with them where I was smoking pot, I pulled the dance house in a van, there's all pot smoke and shit like that. And I just always kept in touch with him. I knew so, you know. Um and he came to my comedy show like two years ago in Florida. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I, I haven't really had any celebrities come to my shows. I don't think at all. I mean, the Mickey Gall is probably the biggest one. He's a fighter. Right. Like, but I, I mean, I'm sure there's other people that have come. And then, like, there was some Houston Astros pitcher that was at my show in Houston. But I know who he was. So I right. kind of was like, eh. But, like, I haven't. I, maybe I've had some celebrities. I had Scott Stapp from Creed come oh, to cool. one of my shows. Eminem was going to come to one of my shows at one point. Yeah. I got hired to do Eminem's birthday party to roast him. Really? Yeah. I'm not good at that shit. No, and I I went up not going up because I was petrified. It really? was in like a rock club in Detroit, and everyone was up there like freestyle, and there was a DJ up there, and everyone's going up taking turns. They're having a blast. Eminem's going up there fucking around. At one point, I was supposed to be the comic to do some comedy and and roast them. And I'm friends with his management. They flew me out there. I go look. I don't even want any money. Just fly me out there. I'll do it for free. Like yeah. you sure? I go yeah. I mean, I'm hanging out with Kid Rock. Kid Rock was there, all these dudes. And I'm like petrified because everyone's having a good time. And, and I'm like, bomb, this is not going to go over. Yeah. This is not going to go. And the manager's like, when do you want to go on? I go, you know, a little while, man. Everyone's having fun up there. You know, it was so packed that I, was, I hid from the whole night. And I never went on. I don't blame you. I never went on. I would hide the whole time. I was like, I don't want to be. Cause everyone's having such a good time. For me to just stop everything, the music and everything, and go up there. It was definitely, and I remember at the end of the night, Eminem's like, he goes, so what, are you going to roast me up there? I'm like, yeah, he goes, what were you going to say? I go, I'm, I'm not telling you. He goes, no, tell me what you're going to say. I go, I ain't telling you. I'm going to save those jokes. He goes, that's fucked up. That's <laughs> fucked up. I go, I didn't do it. I go, no, I had some good shit. He goes, damn. He goes, you're lucky you didn't do it. I might have kicked your ass. I'm like, yeah, whatever. But he, <laughs> no, but he would call my cell phone. I was saying that before. Like, he, he loved a special ed character. So he had my cell phone. He got it from his manager, and he would prank call me and doing special ed. 
and it would come up like out of area and i knew it was him because i knew how he did it it was he was just a little off but yeah. i didn't want to tell him like eminem i know it's you the fuck yeah. are you doing because i want him to keep calling me yeah so i pretend i could i see up out of area I go hello and he's like hey uh, you go lady you like that i'm like who is this i go this is lame you suck i go real give me another one that's terrible that's not even good meanwhile i'm like holy shit it's fucking eminem he I've, did it for like a year. For real? Yeah. He would call my phone probably like once every three weeks. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. I would probably... So I'm not good at making friends with celebrities because I, I want to be their friend. But I like I want to be their real friend. But then I have a weird intimacy issue where I go, if you want to be my friend, what's wrong with you? Like, I don't, I don't think I have any... I don't think I have any celebrity friends. Well, you just... You got to know you keep your distance. You know, I can be you friends just, with comics, but even still, like... I mean, like, I don't like, I, I, yeah, I think I have to know you. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not good with that shit. Well, you, I don't like Dice is, a, you know, in the beginning, I didn't know if I was going to be bother him or not, you know, and stuff like that. But you just kind of like, all right, that's just a regular person. Just don't bug him too much. And don't, you know, call him about stupid shit or text him about stupid stuff. Yeah. You know, leave him be. They got a life going on. They got a million things going on. You, I think you forget that is like you go, you send a text and then you go, well, they didn't reply to me. And then you forget, oh. I've got a million texts sent to me that yeah. I never reply to. Yeah. Because I'm just like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I read it. Oh, fuck. I'm sorry. I forgot. Yeah. And there's nothing worse than getting someone to write, reply back and be like, are you too good to text back? And you're like, oh, my God. The best is uh, fighters, MMA fighters. They don't fuck around. If you don't text them back, they start saying stuff that is like. Oh, really? Then, yeah, oh, yeah. I remember uh, Tate Fletcher texted me one time and he texted me. and He's like, hey, man, something, something. I forget what it was. And I didn't reply back. And he texted me again. And I was like, I read it. And I went, oh, I got to reply back. And then like the next day, he's like, I'm starting to get feelings about these texts. And you start going, oh, yeah, that's right. This is a man. This is a fucking man who's saying, hey, man, I'm trying to talk to you. Right. Like, I'm not I'm not some bitch. Fucking reply to me. Or I, or, or I will, ne you know, and you're like, oh, sure thing, Tate. Like Joey Diaz is like that. You don't fuck around with Joey. If Joey's, Joey won't text. But if he calls. And he knows that he won't leave a message. If he calls and you don't call him back, he gets fucked. I've had Joey bitch me out for out not calling him back. Well, I know he doesn't like the text. Like, he knew I was coming to L.A. Yeah. So he direct messaged me on Twitter. He's like, hey, man, you're in L.A. I want you to do my podcast. Did you do it yet? Yeah. Well, no. Uh, tomorrow I'm doing it. But he goes, call me back. And I know he doesn't like the text. So I was, you know, I, I'm more of a texter. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, I oh, know I, I need to actually make a call to Joey. You got to call Joey. So I called him. Yeah, we talked for a few minutes. What's up, cocksucker? What's up, Tarzan? Fucking, you see any good shows? Right, we'll talk about Judas Priest when you get on the, get on oh, the show. Oh, my God. I mean, hey. me and Joey were at the same concerts like back in the day when we were teenagers and we just really? didn't even know each other. We we're so, at the same shows. So are you going to, what are you doing when you, what are you out in LA for? Um, just doing a couple of shows yeah. with Sam Tripoli. We're doing a, Oh, that's right. You're doing the show in San Diego. Yeah. We're doing San Diego and we're doing LA, his comedy room out here. Are you, are you there tonight? Uh, no, Thursday, Sycamore Tavern. And then tomorrow the comedy palace. What are you palace. doing tonight? Tonight I'm doing a, la a set at the Laugh Factory. Okay, I'm at the store tonight. Yeah, I'm going to come over there afterwards. Yeah, I'm doing two shows. I only have one good joke. I have a new joke that I wrote uh, in a dream last night. I had a dream about a joke last night that made me laugh, and I was like, I'll try it tonight. But I'm doing the new material show, which is the fucking best. Yeah, they do it in New York. I haven't done it yet. They do it at, um, around the corner from the yeah. cellar. But um, no, I love doing stuff like that. I, I don't like doing a, a club on a weekend where I know I got to kill. No. Because I, like, I know I could do that stuff. Like, that's fine. I want to work out shit. 
You yeah. know what I mean? Like I want to, I'll do half of my stuff that I know works and I'm going to do other half. I'm going to take a chance. To me, it's a wasted set. I know on the road, of course, you have to do it. I would, I, my, the way I like working the store is like, I also, I don't want to be greedy. Like, uh, like, I, I know that this is probably the wrong way to look at this, but I look at it and I go, I got a set in the belly room and I got a set in the main room tonight. I'm not going to go and cock block someone from getting a set in the OR. I don't need to work out three night times in a right. night. Like, I, yeah, it's definitely better for me, but at the same time, I, I, there, it's a point of diminishing returns where it's like, I know that like, if I have a joke that works in that new room, then I'll try it in the main room and that, and, and, and so then, and then I'll take it on the road this weekend in Columbus. Like I don't need to do three sets and then take a take a set from a younger kid who's trying to get up at the end of the night. Who he won't get my spot, but he'll get a spot at midnight. Yeah. And so part of me, like I did three sets recently, and I just felt I actually did four sets, and I felt guilty. I felt like like what am I doing? I'm hogging all the stage time. I don't need all the stage time. Like I, I can write a joke and get it up and running pretty quickly. I just want to hang out. I want to do Tripoli's room. I want to hang out with Tripoli. I want to, you know, say hi to everyone, bump into people. So no, I'm the same way. I don't want. I don't usually do more than two sets in a night when I'm in New York. I don't run yeah. around. My two is good enough. I don't want to. You know, I I do. I want to hang too. I just feel like now, shit. Now I got to do another set in an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. And yet it's always in the back of your mind. I've I've you know. worked at the Laugh Factory. I worked at the Laugh Factory once this in the last couple of years. It was a great show. Yeah, it was. I was. You forget how great that room. Yeah, is. I haven't done a set there in a while. In a couple of it's years, it's a great so. room. It's just a fun. It's a fun crowd. That's usually I think a little younger, a little less savvy than the store. I think the store is a little bit of a a a, a more um, discerning palette. I think you can get away with stuff at the Laugh Factory that you probably couldn't get away with at the store. I think I don't know, but um, but yeah, the Laugh Factory. I did a show with Jeremy Piven and Russell Peters there, and it was fucking awesome. Nice. And you forget the Laugh Factory when I was going back to that story with Dice meeting Dice and doing the Louis Anders a comedy showcase. My manager that night, or the first night I got, or the next night or whatever it was. I got a set there to run my my set at the Laugh Factory that I was going to do on Louis Anderson. On a scale of one to ten, I had a zero, <laughs> a zero. For like eight minutes, not one laugh. Yeah. And my manager in the crowd, and I'm taping the next night, and he's like, dude, he goes, maybe we have to change up your set. I'm like, no, I go, I'm, I'm going to stick with it. He goes, I, you know, it was my first set ever in Los Angeles. And I'm like, holy shit, I was all nervous the next night. I'm like, God. And then I realized I'm watching guys work out their their Tonight Show sets, and they don't usually do well in the comedy club, and you see them the next night, and it yeah. kills on TV. What's well, one of the biggest mistakes is that, like, just because the set does well in a club does not mean it does well on TV or on... The, my perfect example of this is I did Premium Blend in, like, probably 2000, maybe? 2000? Me and Tig Notaro. And Tig goes first, and I'm telling you, it was probably one of the few times in her life that she's ever eaten a dick. Right. I say that figuratively. Right. And, you know, <laughs> she was so bad, and she knows that I love her. I'm not talking shit. I think she would even say it did not go the way she anticipated. I go up, and for 1,300 people, I murder. I have such a great set. I come off humming i'm like that's what I, that's how it's done that's how it's done and then sure enough fucking uh watch it on tv and tig was destructive tig's set was so good because she took her time with it and she played to the camera and not to the fucking 
bunch of college kids who maybe weren't cool with lesbians yet. Right. And she just fucking killed it. And my set looked panicked and loud and hey, hey, and anxious and just like, what's up, motherfuckers? Like, just. Right. And I, I, I mean, I watched it. My buddy Eddie watched it and he was like, it seemed better in the room, right? I'm like, yeah, 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 it did. Yeah. Fucking asshole. But my first TV set ever in, um, I'm doing comedy three years. I'm with the MTV has a comedy show. So I'm booked on the comedy show and they go, look, we want you to go down to Florida spring break when Paulie was doing it. Paulie Shore was doing his Paulie, whatever. Right. Oh yeah. So they go, this is 1994, I think, or something like that. So they go, we want you to do a bit. Paulie wants to do a bit where he's in front of his crowd outside in Daytona beach and you start heckling him in the front row and he goes, hey, man, well, leave me alone. What are you? Oh, you think you're so funny? Why don't you come up here and tell some jokes, see how funny you are? So I go on stage, and the crowd's supposed to laugh at all my jokes, like way over, sell the jokes, and laugh really hard. And Paulie gets mad, and he throws me off the stage. He's yeah. like, all right, yeah, I'll do that. Absolutely. I'm going to be spring break. I go down there, and right before we're ready to film it, the producer goes, no, we're not going to tell the crowd he's a real comic. And Paulie goes, no, 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 you've got to tell them. This is my audience. They're fanatics. They go, he's, he's going to get killed. They're not going to laugh at anything. They go, no, no, it's going to be better if we don't tell them. We're not going to tell them during the commercial break. Paulie goes, no, you got to go. Don't just go out there. So I go to my set, go to the front row. I heckle them. I bring them on stage. By the time I get three seconds through my joke, the whole crowd is booing me. And I'm just fumbling my lines. I'm like, sorry, the other day I was at the bar and I can't even get it out because I'm getting booed. But in that chant, we want Paulie, we want Paulie. And I'm like, oh. I get like one half a joke and Paulie just goes up, get this guy off the stage, you loser. And he just pushes me off the stage, basically like that. Oh. So we get off the stage, Paulie's freaking out. Paulie goes to the producer, I told you, you need to tell him. They go, don't worry, we'll sweeten it up. <laughs> You know, we'll sweet, we'll put some laughter in when it, it airs. It'll be fine. We'll make it look good like he did really well. And the bit will work. Don't worry about it. So Paulie feels really bad. His first time I met him, he goes, hey, dude, come to the clubs with me tonight. He goes, I'll make it up to you. Don't worry about it, man. We're going to, you know. Meanwhile, the, the show airs the next week. They, they, I, they added booze. <laughs> they added booze. I got booed off stage on national TV on MTV in its prime 1994, oh my basically, God. and it made the best of Spring Break, so it was on constantly, oh. like my bit. So it was just I, it must have aired 80 times. And Norton, of course, Norton and like Bob Levy and all those guys, like they had it on tape, and they, they go, we would just watch it over and over again because you're like, I just, I'm sorry to be just babbling because I didn't know what to do. I'm like, I'm getting booed. This is fucked up, oh. and it made the best of Spring Break. Oh. How fucking painful! It was so, but when it aired, I was taping my set. Then that the next day, uh, I was filming my first comedy. It was like some comedy show, yeah, where a stand-up show. And I said, "Okay, man, I go. My career is going to be over if I don't do well on this set tomorrow night, wow. doing regular jokes for the crowd." And I killed. And I got a college age in New York Entertainment, and I started making all this money from that set on MTV. Really? But that motivated me. Wait, when, did you the set you did on MTV? Was that the one they did out at the beach? I did that one too. That was I remember Bobby Kelly did that. Yeah, that was Jim Brewer. Jim Brewer. And had it's like, a thing. did you do it on the beach to no audience? No, there was some audience there. But it was in it was on the beach. Yeah, it was on the beach. Yeah. I did that. That was a few years later. That was like ninety nine or two thousand or something like Holy that. But shit. so the first set ever where I got booed off t- off off the stage. God damn it. And then Norton, of course, they, I, I did, they were trying to, I can't find the tape because they wanted me to bring in an Opie and Anthony so we can dissect what went down. But I had this real long hair and shit like that. But Paulie felt really bad. Like, he was a good dude. Yeah. He took me out to all the clubs. He's telling all the girls, this is a new VJ starting next week. I'm like, oh my, 
cleaned up. <laughs> cleaned up. <laughs> Paulie's a fascinating guy. I'm interested in that guy. He was great. Like he said, dude, I'm going to take care of you this weekend, man. His Just Rogan appearance was fucking amazing. Yeah. One of the best Rogan appearances I've ever heard. And it was short. Like he was, the, you know, he didn't, I don't think he did three hours, you know, what you'd, what you'd expect with Rogan. Right. But he talked about, um, he talked about wanting to be a movie star again, how he misses it. And it was really fat. Like no one's ever honest about shit like that. Yeah. Like, you know, I said, I said, I said one time, like they said, do, uh, they were talking about movies and I was like, and I was setting a meeting. I said, you know, I don't really know if I want to do movies. Like, I, like I'm not, I mean, I'm not that people are breaking down my door, but I don't know if I even want to go out for the auditions. Cause I don't like, I don't, I don't really care, I guess. And they were like, don't ever say that to anybody. And I was like, but that's how I feel. Like, I like what I do and I like putting out content and I like making stuff. Um, and I like shooting stuff. I'm more, but like, I think I get depressed when I'm on a movie set. Like, I just feel like I'm wasting my time. And they're like, don't tell that to anybody. And I was like, why can't I just be real? Yeah. And like, why can't I just do what I'm good at or what I like to do? I actually had this conversation with Burr today is, uh, I, some meeting I had and someone's like, we like what you do. Would you want to host a show? And I said, well, I actually what I'm, I like what I'm doing now because it seems to be working. Burr lost it. He goes, yeah, as opposed to the shit that's gotten him to the meeting with you right now, let's change it all up and do brand new fucking shit. That's the problem with this fucking business. And it's true. It's like the stuff that you excel at, why not just focus on that shit? Yeah. It's like, thank God Chappelle just does stand up. Like, no, I, I, I love that. I know. I think he knew that. And look, look, Joe Rogan just does his thing. He's yeah. his own business. And he's like, I don't have to deal with anything. You know what I mean? Because it's almost like getting in a relationship. Like, the, the, the industry sees you, sees what you do well. Go, hey, we want you because you do this well. And then, and then a relationship, like a girl changes you six months in, she completely changes you. No, don't do that anymore. Yeah. No, I don't want you to do that. Don't drink. Don't whatever. No, no, no. I want you this way. You're like, wait a minute. You like, but you were attracted to this. And that's what the industry does. They take all your weapons away. Like, no, this is what I'm good at. Yeah. I don't want to do this because I'm not that good at that. I feel like I feel like I go, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I, this is going to sound really horrible. And I apologize if this offends anyone. But I look at like, I look at actors, like just actors sometimes. And I go, I don't know if that would fulfill me creatively to just say what people tell me to say. Like I, I, what fulfills me means me like makes me whole, like keeps me moving forward is not fame. I I have no interest in fame. Um, I have an interest in coming up with a joke and then seeing if it works. And then once it works, kind of making it better. And then my real payoff, like the biggest payoff I've had all fucking year was Sam Tripoli last two weeks ago going, man, you're in the pocket. You're really doing great stuff. Like, I really think that like, and complimenting me about the stuff I'm working on. And I was like, in my head, I was like, I don't know how to overthink Sam for this because I don't want to, I don't want to like, I, I want, I just want him to pay his compliment. I don't know how, but if I could share with him how this is making me feel, this is why I got in the business so that my peer would look at me and go, you're really doing great stuff. You're really killing it right now. And I'm like, I've wanted this my whole fucking life. I've wanted anyone to tell me I'm doing good stuff. Like this is all I've ever fucking wanted. So I, I like, I don't know if like just repeating people's lines would fulfill me that right. And, but in that case, 
like actors could be looking at us. They go, "You're doing three shows in Tampa on a Saturday night in, bunch, in front of a bunch of drunks. Yeah, like is that fulfilling? And you're meeting them afterwards and like, ah, take a picture. I don't, that, I don't can I lick your that nipple. <laughs> yeah, can I do that? You know what I mean? So they're like, what is is that? What you're doing? You know? Yeah, but doing I had your... this one girl lick but my I, nipple in Houston. Really? She put it. She sucked on my nipple in line and did it without asking and just did it but d latched on so perfectly and it knocked the wind out of me like almost like a first kiss and i went huh? they're never gonna get that <laughs> well they're never gonna get this either i remember i'm selling merchandise after a show in chicago me and don jameson and this girl goes she buys like a dvd or something she goes i go you want me to sign because yeah can you sign it to the blowjob queen and I'm writing, I'm like, yeah, what, what is it? What's the blowjob queen? She goes, oh, she goes, I'm known to give the best blowjobs. And I'm like, I go, any girl that says that, they're really not that good. Yeah. And she goes, no, 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 I'm the best. And she had some friends there. I go, she's saying, she goes, no, no, she's, everyone knows she's the best. And I go, there's no, you're not. And she goes, no, I am. I go, prove it. She goes, well, how can I prove it? I go, all right, well, let's go in the, in the, in the manager's office and give me a blowjob right now. I'll let you know. And she's like, right here? Yeah. And meanwhile, there's a line like 20 people. The show just ended. Want yeah. to get merchandise from us. She goes, like, yeah. She goes, right here. I go, see? I go, see? You're, you're, not, you're full of shit. You're not good, even good. At it. She goes, let's go. And I just told everyone online, I go, look, I'm going in the office. She said she gives great blowjobs. If you guys want to wait, I'll be out probably within five, 10 minutes. If you guys want to wait, get shit signed. And the crowd's like, whoa. And they're all like cheering. And I go in the office. She gives me a blowjob. I come back out. I have my arms up like Rocky. I walked out. The place is going nuts. I'm like, and you can't get that as an actor. I walked out. I'm like, phenomenal. Phenomenal. Who's next? Was it a what good blowjob? No. No. But I didn't tell her. It was like a seven on a scale of one to ten. It wasn't great. Yeah. I knew it wasn't going to be. But I didn't say, yeah, that was okay. I'm like, wow. Uh, you definitely live up to that name. Now give me the 10 bucks for the DVD. There's one girl that uh, lives in Orlando that gives blowjobs. I want to say her name is like Blowjob Betty or something. <laughs> and uh, I, that's a picture of my dick. Um, and I, uh, I, want, I wish I could remember her name. I think it's Blowjob Betty. And she is... She claims she's amazing at blowjobs and she sucks anyone's dick. Like she's had a lot of dicks in her mouth. She's friends with Mike Busey. You know Mike Busey? No. You should you should meet him. You should definitely meet him. You'd have a blast out of the sausage castle. Yeah. He um but he introduced me to her and one of my we were with a group of friends. I won't be specific with names. Um and one of my friends is like uh, I'd like to take her up on that uh, blowjob. And I was like, and she's with her husband. Her husband's like, no, she's the best boy. She can, give him a blowjob, honey. And and he's like, I kind of want to get one, but I think you guys are going to look down at me. And all our friends are like, oh, yeah, we're definitely going to look down at you. We're definitely going to look down as that man watches that woman sucks your oh, dick. Oh, he has to watch? The oh, yeah. That's yeah, part that's, of the, that's a weird. I think that's part of the gig. I don't even know. I've seen pictures. I've seen videos of this girl sucking dudes' dicks in parking lots. And, like, they're lined up. Like, she sucks a lot of dicks. Oh, the guys are lined up. I'll find out her name. Wow. She's um, in Orlando? Yeah, Mike Busey. I haven't done the improv there in a while. Um, <laughs> she, uh, I think I'm, I, oh, fucking. But the husband has to watch. I don't know. Why don't I not have Mike Busey? Oh, here he is. I don't want to call him. Oh, there we go. What's the name of the girl that gives all those blowjobs that you're friends with? <laughs> Uh, Mike Busey's interesting. He's related to Gary Busey, 
but he, he's not a comic. No, oh, he has. He lives this, in Orlando. Lives in Orlando. He has this place called the Sausage Castle, which is a house that he rents and pays for. And then he has all his. I'd say misfit toys in 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 a kind way. Like they're not bad people, and they're not broken. They're just you know girls with like one girl's a little person. One guy's like six hundred pounds. Uh, a lot of really hot chicks. He's got Busey's beauties. And they all kind of they do they're doing a tour right now they're live on tour and they do like a live show they had uh, they had they have like musical acts go with them sometimes but for the most part it's almost like Jim Rose's circus right a little bit not as much but he I think he makes a living off of his Snapchat he has a private Snapchat and crazy shit goes down on his private Snapchat and he's uh, but he when you party with him. Jenny Jizz is her name. Jenny. <laughs> Jenny Jizz. <laughs> uh, Only in Florida. He, uh, but he, yeah, it's, he's a Florida staple. Like he's, he's in Louisiana right now. I, I, as a matter of fact, I know that because I follow him on Instagram too, but he's a fascinating guy. You got to party with him when you go, just go and you'll, it, I took my whole film crew from Travel Channel out to his house for a night, and they're blowing up bombs and shooting fucking machine guns and just real craziness happens. Right. And he's just a very sweet guy. Yeah, yeah. He's a no, very I'd sweet guy. I'd, I'd definitely hang with him for a night. Um, well, we should wrap this up. We got we did two hours. Is it? I think that's, yeah, I think that's, I think that's sufficient. Uh, I think we, so. we should definitely talk about the half marathon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That was one of my favorite. That was one of my favorite. That's one of the hardest I've ever laughed when we were walking. Do you remember when we were walking? And I was, and we were talking about molestation. I was like, yeah. I don't think I've ever been molested, but I know one time I got a concussion, and they had to feel my testicles in the middle of the night. And you go, yeah, they don't do that for concussions. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever use that? You said you were going to try to use I that know. on stage. No. I, I brought it up once, and someone it creeped everyone out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, tough to pull that like, off. It was like, oh. <laughs> Are you opening up to us too soon? But that was great. We we did the, we went and we did Cowhead, right? Yeah. And then I said, I'm running the half marathon. And you're like, ah, oh, I'll do it. And me, you, and Galvin. Yeah. Well, you asked me on the air. You were playing at the improv. I was playing at Side Splitters. Yeah. And we were both on the radio at the same time. You asked me on the air, you want to run this half marathon? I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll do it. Because you, you lured me in. You go, look, there's beer at the end. Yeah. We're going to drink. <laughs> at the finish line, we're going to go drink. Yeah. And we did. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I'm in. I never ran a marathon before. I'm not a runner. So, and I just went out and I bought a whole brand new outfit. You're not supposed to do that. I wore brand new sneakers. I got the sneakers on. These are the ones I bought. Oh, for real? I bought a brand new shirt, everything. You're not supposed to do that. I don't know. And I just went and did it. I'm like two hours sleep. Yeah, that's right. You stayed out all night. You I stayed out to like four in the morning and I had to meet you guys at like 6.15. You were drinking beers at four in the morning. Yeah. And you showed up and you were like, all right, let's go. Let's go. And we, walk and we walked the majority of the beginning and like kind of ran. And then at one point you're like, I had to take a shit. <laughs> yeah yeah i stopped off at a hotel yeah i got breakfast in the hotel you know had the little uh you know the buffet you know the holiday Inn express yeah. i just walked in like you know you got to walk in like you know you've been there before <laughs> you're like no nah, i've been staying here for a week you know and just went over <laughs> ate breakfast took a shit got met you guys back up the best corners. part of that whole morning was when you go wait i think they just called my name 
<laughs> oh yeah so I, I only make it what is was it 13 miles 13, 13 miles you made it eight yeah i made it about seven or eight and i just and then you guys go I, if you just go down this street the finish line is over there yeah so i'm like all right i'll just meet you guys at the finish line i'm gonna go grab some beers i'll just wait for you guys yeah so i get i get there and, I, and i'm like maybe 50 yards away from the finish line now i'm in the race so i'm like oh shit <laughs> like okay i'll just I'll, now i'm gonna just start jogging at a finish line i wind up coming <laughs> i'm coming in like 30 second <laughs> they're high-fiving me they're taking pictures <laughs> i just went under a rope and just fucking just started jogging I go, the finish line and people fucking hugging me i'm like oh cool this is great <laughs> And you're like, I think they just call my name for my age group. Right, because in age group, like, how old oh. are you? So, they, you know, oh. they put everybody giving a trophies out. For, and I go, I oh. think they just call my name. I'm going to go after accept oh, the trophy. Such a great feeling that we, me and Galvin should do another one of those. <laughs> I'll do it again. Yeah, but I never tried. So, I, yeah, I was hurting. Well, when you did it without, you did eight miles without training. I was like, well, in my head, I trained a little bit for that. And I was like, I bet I could do a marathon without training. And then I ended up doing the LA Marathon with no training. You did it with no training. Yeah, no training. I just went out and did it. Like I was like, like you uh, didn't stay out until four in the morning, but had a few drinks the night before, showed up, banged it out. Five hours and 33 minutes. Lost my toenails. Like it was fucking rough. I lost my toenails when we ran that race. Remember I was like, the ones floating around in my sock. Yeah. And uh, that was so much fun. And then we went back to... uh, the Don Cesar, which was my hotel, yep. and we just fucking drank and ate like fucking lunatics. Yeah, now we, well, we drank afterwards at the, you know, oh. after the finish line, we had beers there and too, and then, yeah, went back to your hotel at, yeah, just at the pool and just drink a beer. It was great. So you lured me in with that because I was like, I don't want to do it. And like, dude, there's beers. Come on, we'll yeah. go hang. I go, all right, I'll see how long I can last, but I'm definitely not going to be able to do the whole one. But I, yeah, I lasted eight miles. It was fucking funny shit. But you're not supposed to. Everyone's like, "What do you? You don't buy new stuff. You got, you know, you can't wear in sneakers and just run eight miles." Rule number one is you do not get new sneakers. No, and shirt, everything, <laughs> yeah. shorts. I bought a whole outfit. I went to fucking Coles, like thirty two bucks. We have to mention Chad Zumacher. He's gonna lose his fucking mind. Love Chad. He's such a fucking. He's such an interesting guy. I know. He really is. Like he goes. Uh, he says to me the other day. He goes. Uh, he's like, yeah, man, I gotta. I got to clean up, you know, I got to fucking straighten up. And I was like, I think you're fine, Chad. And he's like, I don't know. So I go on stage and I come back and he is blackout drunk in the green room. And I'm like, okay, maybe <laughs> Like he, he wasn't even doing a spot. He was just hanging out. And next thing you know, he's like asleep on the table. And I go, Chad, he's, he makes me giggle, man. He really does. Yeah. We always, we have a rule of thumb. If bird tells you, you need, you got to clean up, <laughs> you know, you got to clean up. There's another comic friend of ours, uh, well, he's not doing comedy anymore from uh, Cleveland. Who? Joe Howard. Yeah. yeah. Joe and, Howard tells you you got to clean up. Yeah. No, when you tell Joe he oh. needs to clean up, like, because he's such a mess that, you know. I think that, that person- was a perfect storm of Joe had been drinking that afternoon and showed up at the club with his chick. And he was, uh, it was just a perfect storm of like, and that, that green room's so fucking small. Yeah. But Joe's a great guy. No, I he love is. Joe. I know. But it's just, you know, but when, when Bert tells you you got a problem. You know, you really need to. The, pr- the biggest problem with me is that, like, I never got into I never got into pre-show drinking. So, like, I don't ever get fucked up until the work's done. Right. Like, so I never I never could understand, like, Jim Jeffries. And I think we all can say that Jim's massively successful. But when he gets to the club, he'll have a beer. He'll start drinking, I'll have a beer. I don't think he gets fucked up. But he'll, uh, maybe he'll have, like, three beers before he goes on stage. I never got into that. I just never could do that. It, it just... 
I felt like I, I feel like I'm letting myself down if I drink before I go on stage. Well, I, my theory always was, or if I'm going to do this full time and I want to really do this, if I'm working five, six nights a week, then I got to drink five or six nights a week. Yeah. I need that crutch to go on stage. Bob Levy was like that. He always needed drinks to go on stage. Rodney was like that. Rodney Dangerfield. Really? Had to be drunk before he went on stage. And Bob needed some drinks to loosen up. So he wanted to get to the club. And, you know, you're doing two or three shows in a night, at least two. But a second show, you're headlining, you're going on. It affects your sets. It does. I, I said that to Burr one night. I said something about... Because um, for me, what I'd do on the road is I wouldn't drink first show, and then I'd drink second show. And I was like, I was like, you know, my second shows are just so much looser and fucking not as tight and they're not as good as my first show and Burr goes yeah that's why they don't let you drink and drive you're not as good at it <laughs> and I was like oh yeah that is and so I kind of stopped altogether. like I will have my first drink at the end of the second show when I start telling the machine story I'll then fucking but even then as soon as I t it touches my lips I'm all over the fucking map right so like I never got into the pre-show drinking so then when I see anyone who drinks pre-show and especially if you're featuring or hosting and you drink pre-show first show do your job pre-show second show do your job by the time i get off stage they're fucking wasted because they've been drinking this whole time yeah and you and that's where i always go like but and by the way and i say this to chad i like i don't think chad is a fucking mess i don't when you work with him he is he does his job competently my thing with chad is hey i wanted to hang out with you also and you're fucking you're done work and you're and you're fucking hammered you're which is fine he's done work right he's done his job he's not he but you want to hang after the I, show. yeah I, i'm stone sober right i want someone <laughs> to get drunk with me like wait for me and let me get hammered with you because i'm catching up to him and so that i've never i know i don't think chad is a problem drinking before shows or on shows he does a great job on stage my whole thing is like same thing with like i work with kelsey cook one time and i go uh, who works with jim all the time and i said uh hey you're gonna hang out tonight and she's like oh no i'm gonna go home and I, i'm gonna get some rest and i was like oh, okay maybe she's not feeling well and the next night i'm like i'm like hey you hanging out tonight and she's like oh no i want to i want to get to get out of here early i'm gonna leave before you get off stage so i was like okay and then the third night i'm like hey you hanging out she's like i don't think so i go hey i didn't like i didn't like, I understand you're a girl and I can't just ask you to stay here, but I need you to stay here because I don't, like, I'm not watching your set. I'm looking for someone to hang out with. I need someone to talk to. I can't just sit and talk to fans. I need someone to talk to a comedy about and bullshit and gossip. And she was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can totally hang out. I'm, I'm sorry. I, like, but that's like part of my thing is like, I like the camaraderie. I like yeah. the fucking hang. No, absolutely. Because you, I mean, that was when I met Dice. You know, Dice is always about hanging after the show. Yeah. So you know, when you work with Dice, you hang with him after the show. Dude, that's my. I love that. I you know, love. No, that. it's it, you. You want to be with your friends with on the road. You want to hang with another comic instead of just going back to your hotel room. Like I was just in Tampa. I didn't know any other comics this past week, so I'm just in my hotel all day, not yeah. hanging with anybody. You know, and I do the show that night, and I don't know the other comics. Yeah. So it's way better to bring your friends. I try to bring friends with me on the road all the time, so we can hang during a day, go to a baseball oh, game, Chad's or whatever. Oh, Chad's the best. Like, like if and then I say this. And by the way, I, I hope Chad doesn't hear that I'm shitting on him. I'm not. He, he did. He his, doesn't. He he'll think it's funny. He did his job, and he has done work, and that's when he starts to tie one on. But I haven't. I haven't started tying one on yet. And and he's the best. Like if you do, like uh, we did a show in Detroit. Me, him, and Sean. Sean O'Brien. Uh, Sean O'Brien. And that was the best is like, we did the show. We all got in the car. We all started, uh, Sean drove, Chad and I were drinking in the car. We passed out. Like, I love those. Like, and he's super responsible about that shit. Like, like if you need, and if you need Chad not to drink, like we did his shows in, uh, in Huntsville, Alabama. 
and we had a car service t- and Chad's like, I'll just drive. And I go, no, 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 you're not driving. Cause I want someone to drink with. Yeah. And he's like, what? I go, I'll get us a car service to take us from Nashville to Huntsville and then from Huntsville back. And then you drink with me. And he was like, oh, okay. I go, but don't get fucking wasted yeah, pace so yourself. that we can get hammered together. You he shouldn't have like, to tell a grown man to pace himself. <laughs> I have friends that have been drinking for like 30 years. I'm like, at some point, can't you pace yourself? What are you doing? Yeah. You shouldn't be passed out this early. Yeah, let's pass out together. Yeah, let's t- take your time. <laughs> Don't you like a nice buzz for a while? Oh. Instead of in, in, in an hour and a half, it's over? I said, to, I worked with, uh, who did I just work with? I worked with a young lady. Oh, God damn it. In Cleveland, who was it? Jessica Wellington. Uh, I worked with her in Cleveland and I was like, we got, she's uh, attractive. She's young. Um, and we, I got like a case of beer and we get up to the, my floor. We're both going up in the elevator, walking back from the club together in the elevator. And I'm like, this is really uncomfortable. I'm married. I love my wife. I'm not trying to fuck you. By part of the thing is I do want to hang out and bullshit about comedy. And she was like, oh, okay. And I was like, so I go, please say no. If you want to say no, but like, if you just want to be a comic and bullshit, let's go have a beer. And she was like, okay. So we went back and had a beer and I was like, God damn it. It shouldn't be that fucking hard. Jessica Singleton. I, Jessica Wellington just texted me today. I'm thinking of her. Yeah. Jessica Singleton. No, it is. A, it is a weird thing. You yeah. know, about, yeah, especially, yeah, you got to explain to her, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to be creepy here or whatever. And I'm not going to go, Hey, I'll give you work. If you're going to. All right. Hang on one second. Hang on one second. Hey, is, is everything Okay. far away i am from what i'm really far away i have a podcast when that wasn't in my calendar oh shit i'm i'm not there fuck i'm sorry i'm sorry God damn it. All right, I'll call you later. Okay. Bye. Oh, I have a meeting at UTA at 1 o'clock. What time is it? 107. <laughs> Skype? <laughs> Fuck me. Well, it was good talking to you today, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> Well, just go tell him. Look, I'm not interested in doing movies. So, what the fuck? Do I got? Why am I driving to Hollywood? Fuck me! I am so bad. Was that in my calendar? Let me see. Uh, I'm sure it was. Yeah, it definitely was. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. Way to go, Bert. It was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just ignored it. I yeah, actually I mean, said I looked at my calendar today and I said I got gym and nothing else, and I was like, ah, oh, cool. We'll just hang out. And I literally did not look at that other fucking thing. I apologize to Kevin Eaton. Fuck. All right. Uh, but yeah, that was, uh, I don't know. This was worth it, in my opinion. That, that meeting was never going to turn into anything. Yeah, they're just gonna t- you're going to tell them, look, I really don't want to do movies, if you want to be honest. It's, TV, so. it's scripted TV. I really do want to do scripted TV. Yeah, no. <laughs> I really want Kevin Eaton to want to work with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking Judy's like, how far away are you? I go, from what? I know. She goes, from, from UTA. I said, I'm very far away. Why? She's like, we have a one o'clock. I was like, okay. Fuck. All right, well. that might. They, they're now they're going to want you more. 
Yeah, they're like, he yeah, he busy. totally forgot about it or whatever. Like, okay. Now they're gonna be like, this motherfucker. God damn it! I was so good today. I was like, I got my day organized. I was like, meeting with Bill and Al. Go right over there. We got Jim. Bang, bang, bang. Fuck. I'm. Uh, well, whatever you're gonna do. Well, this is a great podcast, regardless. I loved it, man. It, you know, um, this is just my first time on. I'm excited, you dude. Know, I'm we got to do whenever. When like, I'm gonna be out in New York soon. And we should do one when I'm out in New York. Yeah. No, I know we're trying to hook it up before my book came out and stuff. We yeah. couldn't do it or whatever. But uh, no, absolutely. Fuck yeah, man. Dude, I love you, man. Dude, I love you. You're one of my favorite fucking guys out there. No, I, you know, look, I, I just saw your Netflix, the, the trailer. I'm like, this thing is going to be huge. I go, I was just telling some comics uh, last night. I forget who it was. I go, maybe Kelsey Cook, because I did her pot. I yeah. said, I go, you realize, I go, people that don't know Burt, most com- comedians do, I go, that are going to watch Netflix and go, there's a fucking guy doing a show without a shirt on. <laughs> I go and he can back it up. It's not going to be some lame special. Yeah. I go, I go. He's going to fucking blow up from this because people are going to be like that don't know him. Go, this. Did you see that guy wearing? No. Oh my god, you got to see him. He doesn't oh. wear a shirt. It's fucking great. <laughs> but I saw the trailer. It's just so funny. Your fucking guts hanging out. I brought Coors Light instead of fucking. I'm like this is fucking great. This is, it's amazing, dude. I appreciate it, man. I'm going to post this this week. This will go up tonight. Yeah, this will go up tonight. What dates do you have coming up? Okay, Atlantic City, uh, the new Hard Rock Casino, August 28th through the 30th with Don Jameson. And then uh, I got some dates down in Florida and uh, Albany. All dates are up on jimflorenty.com. And I got a podcast, Comedy Metal Midgets, I do every week. It's up on Mondays. Yeah. And my book, Everybody is Awful Except You, is in stores, on Amazon, all that stuff too. Dude, fucking go find Jim on the road. You literally are. I think there's a handful of us that are like, committed comics where we're like comedy's our thing that's what we do well yeah i i love just being a nightclub comic when i was just in tampa this week they're like you bring in a crazy crowd you get them fucking crazy i don't know people are gonna get thrown out they're yelling shit i'm like i love that chaos i love performing in a nightclub just telling dirty jokes me too you know that's my thing i I will never there will never be a trade-off for those fucking moments where you come up with something in the room yeah oh shit that's going in the act yeah yeah exactly all right everyone's calling me now my wife's now calling hey i'm well aware i missed a meeting (laughs) hey what's up yeah yeah i am i'll call you back i'll call you back in two minutes okay all right i'll call you right back all right love you yeah. All right. Well, it was great seeing you, man. Thank you so much Absolutely, for doing this. Absolutely, man, dude. Thanks for having me. Fuck yeah. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.